to Marcus Robinson. Wow, this is unreal. I mean, I thought for sure I was going to punt. I got to get my gloves. This is ridiculous, man. Oh, my gosh. Dude, this is crazy. Are you guys kidding me? Are you kidding? All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Uh, let's talk some sports because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to The Spoken Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is The Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. That's good. And Gat. Our lady Gat is actually making her appearance tonight. Eddie is out for the night. As you guys are fully aware, we are actually doing the show one night earlier than we normally do. We usually uh, record these on Friday nights. Uh, but we've had some circumstances, some situations that have kind of pushed us in this direction just to do this the one week. So episode 62, you get a little bit a little bit quicker. So I'm sure you're not complaining too much, guys. But we are very glad to be here, as we always are, to here, here to talk sports um, in the KCPN studios. Which, by the way, guys, if you've not already subscribed to YouTube on the Kansas City Podcast Network, you need to do that immediately. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. we got some incredible content providers, guys. we got Mad Marlin, uh, Run Your Mouth Podcast. we got Slutter Guts. we got... Uh, uh, we Slutter got guts? Gutter Sluts. Slutter Guts. I like Slutter Guts, too. That's gonna be, that's gonna sounds be, like a serial killer <laughs> thing. It's going to be like, the revised version. That's the after dark version. Uh, yeah, we got Gutter Sluts. We got, uh, we got Run Your Mouth Podcast. Like I said, we got uh, Clearing Waivers. We got Life's Okay Podcast. We got Gat Chats. We got uh, Fake Ned Minute. We got a ton of people out there, guys. And I'm telling you, if you're looking for any type of lifestyle, uh, sports-related topics, obviously anything like that, like I said, that'll keep you busy, especially in tough times like this, we got you covered here at the Kansas City Podcast Network. Uh, so definitely subscribe, like, share, do whatever you guys want to do to help a, uh, a local network get out there and, and get more noise out there in the, in the public eye. And, and, and that's what we can only ask from you guys. So we definitely appreciate it. And uh, a side note to start the show, I don't know if you guys had noticed it or not, but our guy, our Lord, Patrick Mahomes, got himself a fifth-year option picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs today, which means, which means in 2021 he is guaranteed to get over $21 million. Uh, that's a nice little bump up in pay, and I think it's long overdue for our guy to be getting that. So uh, credit to Patrick Mahomes for earning that. He just made the cut. They picked up his fifth-year fifth option. I was, I was a little worried. Yeah, I was yeah. getting a little sweaty in the pits, yeah. and uh, we, we got our guy for at least one more year. So we'll we'll see if the if he wants to stay in Kansas City, if in Kansas City wants to keep him uh, for years to come. We'll find out on that, guys. But, again, we're really glad to be here. 
Uh, I know it's like I said, a different and, and, and a difference in the night. We don't have our guy Eddie, Mr. Yo 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 himself, but our lady Gad, who's been such a champion for us over the last several weeks, is going to be uh, guest appearing with us tonight. Hopefully, she wants to stick around and help contribute to this even further. Because uh, at this point, I don't even know how the hell we did 50 plus episodes <laughs> without her, and uh, we're just glad to have her here. We can't pay her enough. We just been Venmoing whatever we can conjure up over the last several just weeks. unsolicited selfies constantly. Yeah, and I'm like, guys, come on, I get yeah. it, you're pretty, but leave me the hell alone. Come on. <laughs> but uh, I want to I want to get to something. We're going to be- begin right here. Um, this is a topic that uh, I think a lot of you guys are going to care about. Time changes everything, always and consistently. There's not a shock or surprise to anyone when it comes to time. But ever so often, sometimes some things stay the same for at least a little longer period of time than others. So much has changed in Kansas City, and in particular with the Chiefs over time. And to be specific, over the last 15 years. From the head coach position where Dick Vermeil retired, Herm Edwards tried and failed for three seasons, Todd Haley cussed out Brody Crow and Matt Castle for three seasons afterwards, Romeo Cornell winning one of the greatest upsets in, upsets in franchise history as an interim head coach gets another year, and let's just say his press conference quotes were much better than his head coaching abilities at that time. All the way to the man we've all loved and some of us have criticized over these last seven beautiful years as the head coach, one Andy Reid. All of that took place within the last 15 seasons. The last bits of Trent Green, Tyler the Wishbone Thigpen, Matt can't wear a hat castle. Chase, how'd I get this rich Daniel? Alex Captain Checkdown Smith and Patrick fucking Mahomes all have taken the helmet quarterback all within the last 15 years. From the Priest Holmes decline to LJ throwing up the rock when rushing towards the end zone to denying the rock when rushing towards info wards to the entirety of Jamal Charles's tenure to the quick rise and even quick fall, quicker fall of Kareem Hunt all took place within the last 15 seasons. To Dwayne Bowe's late-night sonic runs while enjoying the effects of the greatest plan on earth and leading the league in touchdown passes with the touchdown catches with Matt Can't-Wear-A-Hat Castle as his quarterback. To Tyreek's redemption. All of that took place within the last 15 seasons. To the GOAT Tony G putting together his greatest seasons, to departing to Atlanta for greener pastures, and apparent, apparently a newly found love for a city that never cared for him beforehand. To the ascension of the new, greatest tight end of his generation they call Zeus. All took place within the last 15 seasons. So many have come, so many have gone, so much has been done, and so much has changed. But one thing remained the same. One person kept in hell time in its place. And it was the most unlikely of them all. The one that no fan wants to see, even if they love the person inside the helmet. Dustin Colquitt is the old man sitting at your local diner with all of the stories and experiences of how the world was once was and how much different it is now from then. Dustin Colquitt is the final representation of a franchise once praised for nothing and notoriously for mediocrity, mediocrity that has truly changed its stars with the brightest star of them all in Patrick Mahomes. Dustin Colquitt matters and means more to this fan base than any punter ever has and probably ever should. 
And that's because of the person and the man that he is and has been since he first showed up on the scene in 2005. We can sit here and tell the campfire stories of how incredible Colquitt was through his last 15 years. We could sit here and reflect upon the fact that no one has played such an odd position as well and as consistently well in the history of this game as he did, and he didn't deserve to be let go. But I am going to be the one that sits here and tells the truth. And that's that the Chiefs made the right decision in saying goodbye to Dustin Colquitt. And if anyone has played for his team, anyone that's played for this team and has worked for this franchise fully knows and understands it should be him. Due to the fact that over the last 15 seasons, he has seen literally everyone come and go, stay and leave. Because at the end of the day and time and time again, it's just business. And that's what this is for, the Chiefs and for Colquitt. It's just business. And the Chiefs made a good business decision to save money at a position of lesser need now that they have the best quarterback and player in the world leading their offense. For example, from 2005 to 2017, Dustin Colquitt averaged 79 punts per season. From 2018 to 2019, or since Mahomes has taken over, his punts have dropped to 47 punts per season. Guys, that's a 41% drop-off from his production and contribution from the 13 seasons before the franchise was taken over by Hurricane 15. And this is in no way, in my way, to downplay or pretend as if Colquitt didn't play his part and wasn't an absolute badass when it came to the contributions of the Kansas City community because I would be insane in doing so. The point in all of this is to praise this once overly and blindly loyal franchise for finally making the tough yet correct decisions. And trust me when I say this, the Chiefs listen to everything. And I mean everything. And they hear you fans that aren't happy with this tough decision. You don't think that one of the most carefully calculated franchises didn't know and anticipate that they wouldn't initially gain or receive the, the, the disapproval of their fan base with this tough decision? Of course they did. Nevertheless, they did not allow that fact to stop them from making that tough decision. And that makes me, as a Chiefs fan, extremely happy. It makes me happy because it shows that they're willing to do whatever it takes to put this team in the best position to win, even if it pisses off their fans. It makes me happy because it tells me that loyalty and business are separate and that winning is what matters to them the most. And if us fans were honest with ourselves, that's what matters the most to us as well. Most of all, it makes me happy because it tells me that what once was in Kansas City is no longer in Kansas City. That what they were 15 years ago will be night and day different from what they will be 15 years from now. Change is good. Change is necessary. And this change, although shakes up, up in a sentimental and nostalgic way, is simply a small representation of the Chiefs now and the Chiefs moving forward. So wipe your tears and smile big. 
Because Chiefs fans, times continue to change, and times will continue to change from here on out, and you should be excited about that. Thank you, Dustin Colquitt, for what you were and who you've been. It was a fun ride. I'm glad to get in with a ring for you. And we're going to leave it there. When we get back, we are going to be talking about the draft, the 2020 Chiefs draft. Boy, there was a fun, there was a ton of excitement in this draft. A lot of fans excited. Our guys at Arrowhead Pride were blowing up the Twitter sphere. Guys, it was a fun time. That weekend blew by. I didn't want it to because that's been one of the few live things we've had in sports over the last couple of months. We enjoyed it. It was a blast. Trevor, Gat, and myself are going to have a ton to talk about, so do not go anywhere, guys. We're live streaming this now on all of our social media platforms, so hang with us, guys. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We'll be back with that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. That's good. And my lady, Gat. Do I say yo, yo, yo? You can say yo, yo, can yo. Can I just be Eddie tonight? <laughs> just understand that every time you do that, there's a copyright infringement. Right. How much, how much will I owe him by the end of this? That's the question, because I, I don't know if we're dealing with just American dollars or pesos. It's true. So there's a difference in, in you know influx in cash, so it's 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 really something you're going to have to talk to Eddie's Can, lawyer about. Maybe bartering system. Like bartering system. Yeah. yeah, I'll give him that Niall Davis helmet that's right next to you that says, <laughs> to Gat, love Niall. If if Eddie can say Niall Davis correctly instead of saying Niles Davis, <laughs> then you definitely have to give it to Is him. Is he a Chase Daniels, too? He's probably a Chase Daniels yeah, guy, yeah, too, as well. Yeah, those guys, it's fun. Exactly, it's fun. exactly. <laughs> Shout out to my guy, Eddie. We love you, man. See you next week. But guys, we had ourselves an NFL draft. We did. The, 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 the sports world has been in a complete lockdown, literally and figuratively. But the NFL, the NFL prevailed. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, not to go off on a tangent here, I think the NFL did an incredible job. Yeah. They had 181 different remote locations mm-hmm. That they were doing this at, and they crushed it, in my opinion. Yes, outside of the host. Yeah, yeah. Roger. Roger was a little corny. I mean, he had they could have had a comedian host it or it something. Was, yeah, it was it was borderline cuck. But you know, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. He had the he had the the tendencies. I think um, Rob Riggle would have been perfect for it. <laughs> I dude, I would have watched Rob Riggle pow, pow, every time. All he, night every time. Pow, pow. Every time. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't know how you guys thought about the draft. I thought it went really. I thought yeah. considering the smooth, unprecedented smooth, yeah. circumstances, mm-hmm. we didn't see anybody's internet crash, nobody's feed crashed. Yeah. Really, you know, right. And that outside, was outside of the weird sob stories that were like for every single player. That was a little out of a touch. I love the safer metrics where yeah. they're like hasn't seen their father in yeah. fourteen years. I'm like. Like it's just like making this sentimental value. Raised by a single pick. mother. Okay. But, yeah, I seen I a mean, meme. Somebody there was a meme on Facebook was talking about like you didn't see any of the ones that were like, oh yeah, grew up with a happy uh, both parents, uh, grew up in a cul-de-sac. You know, like you didn't see any like really happy ones. Yeah. Was, like, he was had, privileged. Like, a, a yeah. death in the family. Born on the third streets. base. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah like Trey Wingo's like, this is one hell of a pick right here. <laughs> his third grade girlfriend broke up with him at lunch and started dating his his best friend Dalton at recess. 
This yeah. is going to be one hell of a first rounder for the Seattle Seahawks. He like, understands it, adversity. He was. <laughs> he slipped on his dad. Slipped on some gravel. That was a real one. His dad slipped on some gravel. Was struck by a car. It was like My, a negative for the privileged ones. Like too bad he's privileged. This, yeah. yeah. It's like Clayton over here. Yeah. So it was bizarre. That was a weird touch. But yeah, overall it was smooth and yeah, it was it was well done. I will tell you who had a very smooth draft. It was the Kansas City Chiefs, my guys. Indeed, indeed. There was other teams like the the Baltimore Ravens and the and the uh, the San Francisco 49ers, the Jets. Those teams all had really good drafts as well. So I, I want to definitely give some credit where credit is due. But I'm going to be honest. We talked last week about how Eddie absolutely nailed that first round pick. He mm-hmm. said the Chiefs are going to go running back. They're going to sit back at sit, sit pat Lucky at guess. 32, and he nailed it. And the Chiefs, from every regard, we heard. Peter Schrager, all the guys that know their football said this yeah. was one hell of a pick, and it was the guy that the the opponent, the opposition, did not want to see go to Kansas City. Yeah. That ended up happening. We talked about that last week. But as we were doing the show last week, guys, we saw that the Chiefs took middle, inside linebacker Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And obviously we were collecting data at that time. I was checking our guys at Arrowhead Pride. And they were talking about how this guy was Patrick Queen with even more athleticism, which is just insane to think about. And I, I want to start. I want to start with him because I feel like we've already kind of given our thoughts on on, on Ceh to this point mm-hmm. with, with Clyde, and, and and we can talk about him a little bit more. But I do want to start with Willie Gay Jr. because as excited as I am about Ceh, which I do believe he's going to make an immediate impact in 2020, mm-hmm. I I'm even more excited about Willie Gay Jr. because I think he's going to play a position. Uh, 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 he has. Uh, something that we need in this team that we may not even realize to this point. And he's going to change the entire trajectory of this defense. Gat, I want to start with you. What was your thoughts on that move in, in its entirety, now that we know a little bit more about Willie Gay Jr.? Now that we know more about him, I'm completely excited. You know, I haven't been following college football as much uh, since the Chiefs have kind of ruined football for me. If it's not Mahomes playing, I'm like, why am I even watching this? I got back into K-State. They are doing a little bit better. But, you know, watching SEC football, the one thing that stands out to me is always their defense. Um, and it's different than the Big 12, you know, but we have these guys with speed and size like Willie Gay Jr. that I'm kind of excited to see yes. learn from these guys that are already on the team. Um, there's a lot of veteran experience, and these guys are coming off a Super Bowl win. What rookie doesn't want to go to that, you know? Like, it's not like back in the day that, like, you were talking about in the opening ceremony when you got drafted by the Chiefs, and you're like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the first drafts that I think people are excited to come to Kansas City because they see what Mahomes can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Trevor, what were your thoughts on Willie yeah, Gay? Six foot one, two hundred forty three pounds, runs a four five. Yeah, no big deal. Um and he's good in coverage and he's got quick really quick bursts off the line of scrimmage and he's really good at hitting running backs in the backfield and getting to the quarterback. And he's just he's disruptive and he looks like he's got just he plays with pure anger out there. Kinda like like obviously with the comparisons to being uh I think Airhead Pride had him compared to uh DJ. Mm-hmm. So uh, what did, I, what did I tell you guys for the longest time leading into the draft? Even as the soon as last year ended, I want a new DJ. I want a new homegrown middle linebacker that can is versatile and can do it all. Yeah. That's who DJ was, and that's what we've been, we've been missing. No discount to all the other linebackers we've had filling that spot. You know, Hitchens and Raglan, those guys played their part, and they did you know their best. But I wanted, I wanted a specimen. I wanted a, a, a pure athlete at that position. We just haven't had that, and it's been lacking. Uh, this was by far my favorite pick of the draft. Could have been more stoked. I wanted a middle linebacker for the first pick. I was obviously upset when we first picked a running back first overall, but I definitely obviously cooled on that since I've you know gotten to know this guy a little more. Uh, I think Clyde's going to be awesome. I think he's going to fit into this offense and he's just going to have he's going to flourish. Um, but yeah, I uh, with this one, man, with Gay, I, I I'm so stoked. I think he's going to be a day one starter. 
I don't think there's going to be any any competition in camp. I think he's going to go in there. I think he's going to. I think Spagger's going to go nuts with this guy. I think he's going to move around the field. Yeah. I think he's going to. Move, I, I think I, we can see him on the edge too. You know, I think this is one of those guys that's going to be another chess piece for the linebacker room. Yeah, Craig Stout from Arrowhead Pride. I was watching. Um, I went back and watched their YouTube. Uh, video when it actually went down when they saw that the Chiefs had gotten gotten Willie Gay Jr. Mm-hmm. and to see Craig the way he was to see him as a- as animated as he was and pumping his fists yes that that's when I knew that this was this was the pick mm-hmm. like again I love Ceh I think he's going to be an absolute superstar in this offense I truly do I think he's going to be even better than Kareem Hunt was in this offense Especially the passing game yeah. but. To see Craig that excited, that jubilant, I knew, okay, this we have ourselves an absolute franchise linebacker, which we have not had since Prime DJ, which the last time we saw Prime DJ was probably 2016, I would say. So it's been a few years since we've had what we've needed at the linebacker position, mm-hmm. and you've seen the Chiefs' defense progressively suffer because of that. Even with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and Chris Jones, guys like that play as well as they have, the middle of the defense has been so softened that it's almost been impossible to overlook those types of deficiencies. Now that the Chiefs have that absolute stud in the middle next to Anthony Hitchens, it's going to take a lot of that pressure off of guys like Anthony Hitchens to perform at their highest level. And another thing I love about this pick in particular is the fact that I'm one of those guys that loves seeing not just redemption stories because that sounds that sounds a tad cliche. I like seeing the guys that fall in the draft because of mistakes. And I know that sounds a little crazy, yeah. but I like that because of the fact of who we have at coach at, at head coach, uh, the, the 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 clubhouse that we have, the locker room that we have. Yes. The guys like that who have troubled past or incidences like Willie Gay Jr. where supposedly he had punched his quarterback off the field, mm-hmm. and people have been bringing that up. Of course, a club or it's a hot yeah. topic. You know. A guy that gets drafted in the second round, you think, oh, we're going to talk about this guy. Um, talk about his instances or his his problems. I think he was, he was going to be graded to be at a first round. He talent. was. Yeah. They, he had he had a first round grade. Yeah. But because of those things, people were a little concerned and put off by him. Like I said, a lot of the scouts have said he's Patrick. He's Patrick Queen with more athleticism. Outside That's of, insane. Yeah, yeah, they said outside of Patrick Queen's uh, time, numbers at the at the. Combine, he was right there, stride for stride. I think he was just a little slower. Yeah. Outside of that, mm-hmm. he was beating Patrick Queen mostly everything. Right. So that's and Patrick Queen was touted. I mean, the Ravens took him in the first right. round. So you know, a team like the Ravens, who are so ambitious about getting back in the Super Bowl realm of things with the mm-hmm. Chiefs and chasing the Chiefs, yeah. that that you know that they meant that well, meant that they thought highly of Patrick Queen. So for this guy yeah. to have that next step on Patrick Queen is high praise, and I think it just only elevated the Chiefs that much more. Do you have well, something yeah, else to add? And another thing to add to your point about the off-field stuff and us giving him a chance, there's nothing more exciting for a player that knows he's screwed up in his life and his young adolescent career to know that he has a chance to join not only a football team in the NFL and make NFL money, but the team that's the defending champs, knowing you have the best opportunity to be a winner right away, and you have a chip on your shoulder that you want to go out there and prove yourself on the best team in the NFL. It's a a win-win scenario for this kid and the Chiefs because they're going to get this kid out there that's going to not only want to win – but he has one to. He wants to prove himself personally, not only for himself, but just for his reputation. And that's that's what's the most exciting thing to me about not only just his talent, but that talent combined with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, I'm all in, man. Yeah, that's- you got to play angry. You got to have something that really fuels you. And I, I have a really hard time with the off field stuff because with athletes, I've always felt this way. They're not role models. They're not, they're they're not, not supposed that to be young. Too. You have to pick and choose. Yeah. 
you know, what you want these guys to be. You either want them to be these great community leaders or you want them to be beasts on the field. And it's mm. like you yeah. sit there and you and you say you want this incredibly athletic, aggressive player. Yeah. What do you think happens out, off the field? Some of like and military, young they're military gonna, they're men. They're going to punch yeah. somebody. I mean, it's not like he stabbed a guy, Ray Lewis. Two guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, there's things that like, there's worse things out there, but it's about progression. Yeah. And I think a local, lovely, local, hot uh, takes jock here so that Andy Reid lacks discipline. And I think yeah. that we just saw what he can do with guys that are problematic mm-hmm. that are you know a little bit of liabilities off the field Tyreek did, did have issues in yeah. his home life and it did come to the football team so to say that um, these off-field issues would sway somebody's opinion mm-hmm. about a potential player is just ridiculous yeah. and I think people are just looking for somebody to complain about it absolutely point. it comes down to leadership like I was saying that's why I felt so comfortable see if this was 10 years ago and we had a Todd Haley or, or Romeo oh Cornell. I have flashbacks still. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to bring him up in the first monologue, but I was I was cringing. But thank you. I saw the sweat yeah. glands. Yeah. You know. Oh God. But here we go. But it, it all comes down to who you have running the show. And again, for me, I don't care what troubled past a guy has if he's talented, and you have the coach capable of 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 withholding or withstanding. That type of personality, I love it. I think yeah. it's a great move. I think that Andy, because of all head coaches in the entire league, I don't just say this just because he's our coach, yeah. but of all coaches in the NFL, I feel more comfortable with Andy Reid having these types of personalities than any other coach. Because Bill Belichick, I think, have a, have a, would have a short leash. If a guy like that that has strong personality that way, he'd only have him for a few years and say, you know, I can't take this anymore. you got to go. Yeah. Sean Payton, maybe. I just don't see him as in the same caliber as Andy Reid personally as a head coach. Yeah. But, but guys like this, like I said, are only going to elevate your team if you know how to uh, play to their personality and, 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 and give them the proper coaching and the proper timing, the coaching and timing you know, with their personality. Personalities, I think that you're going to maximize. And not only just the coaching that he's walking into, that locker room that he's walking into with the likes of right. Tyrone Matthew and Frank Clark, those mm-hmm. two guys right there that are dogs themselves, that have had off-field issues themselves, that have had troubled pass, it's it's a perfect scenario for this kid to come in here and learn from those guys that have made those mistakes so that he can possibly prevent further mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And then the Chiefs went and got themselves uh, in the third round an offensive tackle, mm. uh, Lucas Niang. Uh, this is a 21-year-old swing tackle out of TCU, If in case anybody didn't know this already. And our guys at Arrowhead Pride, again, absolutely love this pick. I went to Ken Swanson's Twitter account and texted him as soon as this pick went down. And he was trying not to do backflips because he's not as athletic as you, you know, Kent tries to lead on. And, and that would just hurt him. And yeah. his family would be very upset with him if he did that. But uh, the, the great thing about Lucas Niang is this is also a guy, and we're talking about now three straight draft picks that could start day one. Yep. That doesn't happen very often, guys. No. We have to remember that. After that second round, most guys are usually projects or guys that are a year or two away. And Lucas Niang can play guard very well from what the scouts have said and what we've what we've seen in the general reports. He's a swing tackle, like I said, but with the Chiefs having both tackle positions shored up with above-average tackles, they're not going to need his services at that position. So yeah. I do expect that Lucas Niang will be getting a starting position for the Chiefs this season in 2020 as a guard. Um, and I and I fully anticipate he's going to contribute to protecting Patrick Mahomes. Now, the future of Lucas Niang, I don't know what's going to happen. Whether he takes that left tackle position from Eric Fisher after 2021 when he's up at first contract. Right. There's a lot of speculation here. The point in this is... The Chiefs got themselves an absolute stud. I've not heard one negative thing about Lucas Niang about being on the field or off the field. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here and say that he needs he do, he doesn't have to ha, he doesn't need anything off the field because I just said that we have our, our draft picks that have 
had off-field issues. But it, it's it's just when you can focus on the offensive line, a guy that's quiet and just does his job, there's something almost sexy about that. You know what I mean? Just an offensive lineman just comes here and does his job. Yeah. Big old teddy bear. I like me a big old teddy bear every once in a while. And our, I think Lucas that's Niang Mitchell, is our new teddy bear in Kansas Mitchell Swartz. That's what Mitchell Swartz I got a type. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I got a type. Same. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that one. I'm like, big old teddy bear, what's up? Like, It's quarantine, the okay? DMs. The only people I hang out with are you guys. And I'm sitting here like, I got to get out of here. No, but like, you start looking at those draft picks and it's like the one thing that it was freaking me out seeing their birth dates. Because I'm sitting here like, these look like grown ass men, but they're born in like 99. I'm sitting here, what the hell? He's 12 years old. Yeah. It's like, is this 2000s, baby? No, get out of here. Like, what? So yeah, you just, uh, it's been an incredible off season. Remember where we were last year at this time? Mm -hmm. Can we all just like, just recap that? Like, Easter was not fun for any of us. Not and at so all. we're all just sitting around. Like, it was just such a rough time. And to look where we are now, mm. we won a freaking Super Bowl. And this draft was an incredible hit. And, like, we have guys that, I mean, I think sports talk right now, why I love the spoken podcast so much, and I'm just interrupting here talking about <laughs> Do them, it, do it. Uh, <laughs> is because you guys offer a perspective that we would rather be hearing on the airwaves. Like, there was a freaking moron this weekend or this week that said that he wouldn't bring back Travis Kelsey and mm. we're just I mean the, the yeah, things that up. people are saying are just yeah. reaches right now and it's like we want to hear from the fans we want to hear from the people that are passionate about this team that we want to remember where we came from over the last few years and Andy Reid is deserves a freaking statue I agree like, that, that statue will be, be out there and then Andy Reid's you know I don't know by the barbecue or something I would kind of like to see a snat a statue of Andy Reid um, with the Five Guys burger and the thumb. That was a beautiful photo. <laughs> no, no, the deuces with his Tommy. That was better. Oh, that, that, I think that we need that one face. Framed. That determined that one, face. Yeah. Like he looked like Winston Churchill. Remember when Winston? Yeah, we need Churchill a big banner. That, we know? need a big banner out yes. in front of Arrowhead with that. We on. need to get. We need to get Clay to uh, oh, Photoshop. He will. Andy Reid as Winston Churchill with that. I mean, I think that's just perfect. He, it he, is. he lined it up for us. But but you know, to to the to the point though. You're, you're talking about, like you said, from one offseason to the next and how we're sitting here relishing on the fact that we have such a complete roster mm -hmm. and the Chiefs nailed it. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it now. They nailed it in these first three picks. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I was I was the guy that was saying all along, I'm not expecting flash and flare from this draft, but i got to be honest, I, I, I think the Chiefs proved me a little wrong here because the first two picks were flash and flare. Mm -hmm. Even though they are considered depth moves, because the Chiefs didn't really have a lot of needs, but these guys add so much athleticism. I mean, Lucas Niang is an absolute freak athletically mm -hmm. yeah. at the offensive line position. Like this guy is so versatile, and that's what I love about the Chiefs. Ceh, such a versatile running back. He's not just good at running the ball; he's incredible at catching the ball. Makes him extremely vertical, versatile. Trevor, like you mentioned about Willie Gay Jr., the fact this guy can play such great in the middle of the field and on the outside, where he can get and cover amazingly so in the fast. open field. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what the Chiefs have needed for years now. Like I said, since DJ uh, snapped his Achilles a few years ago. And then we have Lucas Nying. Like I said, you're bound to have injuries on the offensive line. In the interior, on defensive line, offensive line, you're always going to have injuries. Mm -hmm. So getting a guy like this so early in the draft is such a pivotal move for the Chiefs because more than likely they're going to lose an offensive lineman. And if you can have him, even let's say Nying doesn't start this season yet, you can put him right in there and you have assurances right then and there. We've talked about on this show, Patrick Mahomes is not just a great player. He's an investment for this team. Mm -hmm. You're about to pay this guy $40 million a year. You better make sure you have some upfront coverage. And Lucas Nying is absolutely that. Trevor, what are your yeah, thoughts on Lucas that's Nying? Why, that's why I loved the pick because it, it – Outside of, like I said, outside of the first round draft pick with the running back, which kind of threw my whole uh, how I had the draft going. But outside of that, if we started with the linebacker, I had us going linebacker first and I had us going offensive uh, uh, protection. So this pick was obviously 
just coincide with my fit with the way I wanted the draft to go. So I obviously I loved the pick. I wanted more. I wanted to take an earlier draft pick on a uh, an offensive guard or a tackle. Um, so, but I mean, like the kid started twenty seven games, uh, and he I believe in out of the Big Twelve he had he ranked number one in uh, um, pass blocking grade according to Pro Football Focus. So I mean, right. if we're gonna take the highest rated guy out of that division, which is a good division, obviously. Um, a lot of high flying offenses, you know. So a guy that's you know uh, been in a lot of like those air raid type offenses, which is yeah. our, ours is like the air raid offense in the NFL. So he's going to be kind of used to that fast paced uh, um, um, intensity. Uh, so I think, yeah, I mean, I just anybody like you said, he's an athletic freak. He can be moved around. Um, so yeah, I, I love the pick, man. Just adding the depth to that offensive line that we needed. You know, young depth, young, efficient depth. And I believe he's a, a healthy kid, too. I don't think he missed any games during his collegiate career uh, due to any injury. Uh, he worked his way up into the starting spot, so he's a worker. So now he's going to – obviously, he's going to carry that same mentality into the NFL and, and work his way up to a starting spot for the NFL as well. So I'm excited to have the kid. Well, in the fourth round, the Chiefs actually finally – my God, Brett Veach decided to take a defensive back – I was starting to wonder if this guy was like anti-cornerback slash safety in the draft. I mean, outside of Juan Thornhill, he's I don't think he's taken a single um, a safety yeah, or corner in the first Fuller. four rounds. Yeah. So this was this was new, and I, and I really I, I didn't know anything. I'm going to be real, guys. I did not know a single thing about Legereus Sneed no. before I heard his name announced going to the Chiefs. <laughs> but he's a um, he's a safety outside of outside out of Louisiana Tech, mm-hmm. 23 years old, six foot, 192 pounds, pretty decently sized guy. From everything that I've been reading about this guy, he is what we would call a um, f- an athlete first. Like he's not a uh, a guy that is extremely cerebral at this point of his career. He's still learning the game a little bit, but the, but the fact that he's so far advanced in his athletic side uh, gave the Chiefs a lot of uh, of reason to take him as a project player. Because right now, if we're being honest, the Chiefs don't have depth at corner. And we don't know what's going to happen with Brashad Breeland. And trust me when I say we're going to be talking about that tonight. But the Chiefs are not exactly deep at that position. But you saw, like Gat mentioned about this last season, and the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, apparently, obviously. (laughs) They did it without a lot of depth at the the cornerback position. I do fully anticipate the luxurious Sneed is going to be converted at corner. Mm -hmm. And from everything that we had had talked about uh, from uh, the KC draft guide this year, he got graded as a safety, which is why he wasn't on the board for the Chiefs. Or for the for the, for Arrowhead Pride, he wasn't on their board because he got graded as a safety. Had he been graded as a corner, which he did end up playing a lot towards the end of last season, yep. it's gonna be it, it, he would have been a lot more highly anticipated or highly touted as a corner because I think he's actually naturally better at corner because mm-hmm. uh, usually you convert from corner to safety as your years progress, not the other way around. So if he's already good at corner. If they have to move him in the nickel packages as a, as a free safety, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. The point is, is if we can get any type of contribution from a fourth-round corner slash safety, guys, I'm excited about the pick. I don't know what your thoughts are, Gap, but that's where I stand on this one. Yeah, I think we've needed help in our secondary like crazy, and it's been like this for a while. Like I swear since Eric Berry uh, went out with that Achilles, like, we just have had problems developing mm-hmm. our secondary. And it would be nice to see some security back there because we've had some, like, Steven Nelson problems. <laughs> we've had, like, we. I feel like we've ran through corners and safeties, though, 
pretty quickly and we've had either injuries or they just didn't make it um clay just checked in by the way so he's watching, Mr. so we can uh we can send our ideas his way for uh, the winston churchill statue <laughs> yeah. but you if know, you just if you just got it yeah let him know yeah, about the idea yeah he's gonna be oh good more work for me to put, <laughs> put together some stuff but hey you know it's a great time to do that clay uh, there's only so many cheese that you can eat my guy yeah there's like, only so many <laughs> is he a cheese it's guy he's a cheese it's guy hey this is I this is from the mouth this i is, love the extra toasty ones so this is from the mouth of the babes i'm telling you he said cheese <laughs> It's tonight. He said he's hanging out with Cheez-Its. Oh, I love it. So we got a couple people watching in. Uh, Natasha Scrud said, I really appreciate the talk. As a new fan, I feel like I'm binge-watching a show trying to catch up. <laughs> Absolutely. There's a yeah. lot of underlying things that have happened in 61 episodes, but um, <laughs> you know, it's crazy to see the progression with the draft uh, yeah. when when you saw like what they kept going after. Because the one time I got to talk to Brett Beach, he looked like he needed some sleep, and he was so tired, yeah. and all he wanted to do was talk about horse racing, and it was just it was so weird. I asked him, have you ever seen Draft Day? He goes, I don't watch a lot of movies. And I'm like, <laughs> is he okay? Like, he's like so young. and like he, a like, robot. He's, I don't when he watch started movies. out, he was full of life. And I'm just like, yeah. what has the draft done to him? But like, I think that we have a pretty solid uh, draft class here. And I'm not worried. Yeah, you know, I absolutely. feel like in Andy, we trust. It's yeah, like, yeah. what are you going to do at this point? They, they're they going to develop the talent they have. But I think you guys have been spot on with um, being a little bit. Uh, concerned about like oh wait we're gonna go are we gonna get any d-backs here we're gonna get any sort of uh yeah. backup protection here and uh they did eventually because yeah. i think we all knew that free agency wasn't going to be where the chiefs hit this this right. year this time money right well that that and also i think i think the chiefs shored up a lot of positions of need last offseason in free agency you went and got tyron matthew you traded for frank clark you made those moves because you knew that it was a desperation attempt to get to the super mm -hmm. bowl with a defense that was let's be honest guys it was floundering it was it was getting worse every single season the chiefs absolutely needed upgrades and tyron matthew and frank clark made all the sense in the world and looking back there was a risk with Frank Clark. You know, you gave up a lot. You paid him over $100 million. You traded a first-round pick for him. And you swapped, I think it was second or thirds. So there was risk involved, but it all panned out. And that's why the Chiefs, to me, got a lot of goodwill when it comes to the draft. And I'll be honest with you. Since Breland speaks, the Chiefs have not made a bad draft. Our draft pick, yeah. at least not to this point. Mm. It's you know the jury's still out on some of these young guys. It usually takes two to three years to really understand what you got, and sometimes even longer. But from everything I'm seeing, from everything I'm hearing, I'm giving the Chiefs the benefit of the doubt in this regard. And Trevor, I, I, I mean, real quick, I want to get your thoughts on Legereus Sneed because there's, yeah. two, there's two project picks that I think the Chiefs took after that I want to touch on briefly. Mm -hmm. But I definitely want to definitely want to get your thoughts on Legereus Sneed in particular because I do think he can contribute, maybe not as a starter, but as a guy that can definitely work himself into this defense. Well, yeah, I mean, two with uh, with Juan Thornhill, you know, I know he's we're, we're hearing nothing but good things from his recovery. Um, but there is a chance that he gets hurt again. Say something. There's a you know something goes wrong again, and is he re-aggravates that same injury? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility, especially at that position when you're constantly in the middle of almost every single play defensively. Um, so having more depth at the DB safety slash corner position, I'm all. And that's exactly what I wanted. And this is guy. And this guy is being crowned as a ball hawk, which is perfect because that's a guy who can who's who can play multiple positions. He can play the safety, and he can play slot corner or wherever you want him to get. And he's 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 good at. From what I from what I've seen on his tape, he's good at knowing when to leave his assignment if he needs to, which crowns him, coins him the 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 uh, title being a ball hawk, so just like we saw with guys like Marcus Peters and you know guys that were good at you know reading the quarterback's eyes. So I don't think anybody in the FBS in his division had him over his course of his career uh, had more pick sixes. I believe he had eight interceptions and three pick sixes. So that's a guy that I want making plays on the back end with Tyron Matthew in communication with guys like Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. 
I just think he, if anything, if he's just a depth piece and fills in, uh, we've seen guys like uh, Fenton and you know these other guys that came in and played big roles even in the Super Bowl. So if he can be a guy just on that level, uh, being a fourth round pick, I'm all for it, man. I, I love you can't have too many DBs in my mind, and I'm sure he's he's going to come in and fit right in the right. He's perfect for Spags defense. He's got long arms. He's a ball hawk. I mean, what what more can you ask for at that? time of the draft. So yeah, I'm all for it, man. Very little pressure, but a lot of excitement for these young guys coming yeah. onto a team like this. Like you got to understand how how particularly special this situation is in Kansas City. Um where what we're living in right now because not often do you see teams that have the best quarterback in the NFL on a rookie deal still. Yeah. That has such a loaded roster with the best head coach in the NFL. I don't give a shit what anybody tells me <laughs> at this point. Um, and, and then have these guys, all these depth moves come in with this athleticism, the prowess of their athleticism coming on a team like this. They don't have high expectations. Most times when you take first and second round picks, they're coming in with all this expectation to help change the, the direction of your franchise. These guys are basically strolling into the best situation in the NFL. They These are some of the luckiest players, and they have to capitalize on said situation. Now, moving to this um, the, the 177th overall pick, the Chiefs took uh, defense of lineman Mac Dana yeah. out of Michigan. And according to NBC's Roto World, uh, Dana served as a uh, rotational lineman with the Wolverines in 2019 after spending the first four seasons of his career with Central Michigan. So this kid's a very seasoned player. He was insane. Yeah, he well. ultimately racked up 38 total tackles at defensive line, which is pretty damn good. Three, three sacks. Three tackles for a loss and three sacks in 12 games with Michigan, demonstrating the ability to play both inside and out across the defensive line. Still, the lack of production at Michigan compared to Central Michigan is worrisome when projecting how Dana uh, might perform against NFL talent he'll likely be nothing more than a depth piece for at least the first season or, or two for a tour of his career now look if we are having that type of conversation about the 177th pick i'm okay with that yeah like i'm not gonna sit here and expect superstardom from the 177th pick for christ's sake yeah. tom brady was the 199th pick and he's considered the greatest outlier in sports history that's 22 picks away that's not even a full round away from what Mike Dana is. Right. So if we can just get depth out of Mike Dana, yeah. I'm okay with even that. Even if it's a dart throw guy. I yeah, mean. exactly. So so shot in the dark, I mean, what are your thoughts on that as well, um, uh, Gad, as far as the depth that we already have in defensive line to add Mike Dana? Do you do you have any expectations? Do you think this guy is the kind of guy that can make the team? Is he just a guy? Do you see any, any differences in between him for any other guy that was at his position at this time of the draft, Gad? I think that with, like you said, this pick is so far down in the draft. It's like at this point, you just hope that they make smart decisions. Right. And they made a smart decision by getting a guy that's versatile, that's coachable, and can learn. Right. Uh, and also the Central Michigan, you know, Eric Fisher thing. They could bond. I don't know. I wasn't a huge <laughs> fan of Eric Fisher, you know, as a draft pick. And then I've grown to love draft, him, you know. Yeah. I remember I put up a thing. It was like, uh, that. remember that stupid DirecTV versus Cable meme? I was like, uh, <laughs> I put cable? both yeah. Eric Fisher. It was like one before. I can't remember what it was, like Central Michigan. But he showed up against JJ Watt you know like he did it when he mattered but these guys have so much pressure on them it's like yeah. when they walk into the Kansas City Chiefs I don't think it's going to be there they're going to be able to have fun playing football so no matter what they do like Spads is going to get him out there and no matter what we end up using him as it's going to be productive because anytime we have a guy that can come in and relieve some of our guys for even just a couple snaps like whatever just yeah. get him um, some rest that's what we need our guys just looked tired at some points in the game because yeah. they knew they had to get back out there and carry the whole thing yeah 
And there's points, you know, that our offense had to completely carry our defense last year. And it would be nice if it'd be a little bit more balanced. So if this guy can come in and offer any sort of balance, I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, we do have one comment from Billy Hodge asking, let's, let's get it. Let's asking get it. where Eddie Hodge is. Listen, Billy, I was under the assumption you guys were spending time together, you know, with the, with the whole Eddie Hodge thing Uh-oh, going yeah, on. It was a little retreat, I thought. Is Eddie cheating? <laughs> I mean, it is kind of weird to not have the backbone of the show, according right. to Mr. Billy Hodge. Yeah. Um, but the, I, think we're, I, I think we're, yeah, the, ass, <laughs> yeah, the tailbone of, of the show. Um, I think Eddie just got sick of having all these trips uh, to Arrowhead and to, to Nochella, as we like to call Nochella. it, because no one was there. Uh, the NFL draft, which no one was there. Yeah. Uh, Eddie's just been kind of, I think, honestly, Billy, if I had to give you an honest answer, I think Eddie is just a little jet lag right now. Yeah. He's a little tired. He's going to take himself a night off. But we got Gat. That's all I know. We got Gat. So hashtag Gat. A lot of people gat. talk about having Gat. Like, a lot of rap songs. <laughs> been. Uh, yeah, so you guys are ahead of the game. Gat Gat? I'm telling you. But that, that's that's the only thing I can give you right now. Uh, hit, hit Eddie's line. I know you got his number. Um, so And then the Chiefs actually traded up. Into mm-hmm. the seventh round, uh, I said I said before the draft that the Chiefs were going to have six picks. I thought they were going to trade back and get another pick. They actually traded forward, got a seventh round uh, cornerback out of Tulane named the Therius the Thacarius the Keys. I was going to see how you pronounce that one. So, I was like, Thacarius. If you Carius, it's Thacarius. Um, so we have Legarius Thacarius. <laughs> And Charverius. This is incredible. In the in the in the defensive back core, like they call him Bo Pete. The re the re. They call him Bo Pete. Bo Pete. Bo Pete. Oh yeah, that's his name. That's what they call him on there. Look at. I like it. Bo Pete Key. So I'm thinking that's easier to say than that. Yeah. Thicarius. I like it. So yeah. we have Thicarius, Charverius, and Legarius. I think I'm gonna change my Instagram name to Thickarius. <laughs> Two C's. It's cool. It's fine. I'll just stop interrupting you over here. Thick. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, is that a dinosaur? Like I heard you guys on Life, Life's Okay podcast talking OnlyFans. So I mean, yeah, we had rolling. a weird day. I've had a weird, <laughs> but like I have to go, not have to. I'm going to be going to create a bunch more content this next week. So like I got to jump in the podcast game. So like naturally, just do two back to back. I'm like, yeah, but the other one was a little bit weird. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, the Chiefs. This is the 237th pick in the draft. Uh, they got this trade. They traded with uh, from the Broncos via the Patriots. And, and I think at this point, I don't want to spend too much time on this kid because I think that he's going to be a camp body at this point. They just want to see what he's got and give him a shot. I I don't have any expectations. I don't I don't really know what to expect. He has a cool nickname, I guess. Yeah. Um, I OP. think it would be badass if it worked out because, like I said, the names that we have going on at the defensive backs. Well, I, I get, believe he's a Louisiana kid, so he said Tyron Matthew was like his hero. Yeah. There you go. Which so is a cool there's a connection there. Yeah. yeah. But but overall, I, just to get your guys' final thoughts on this before we take a break. For me, I, I don't want to sit here and say the Chiefs had an A-plus draft because it's it's so hard to really do that before we even start seeing these guys on an on an NFL football field. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you guys that I am severely optimistic about these picks because I truly believe that the Chiefs really, they're one of the few teams in the NFL that really understand what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, teams are always searching for their image. It's nice. You know, it's, it's a copy, yeah, it's a copycat league. Everybody talks about copycat league. Well, that means that you have image issues. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs are the image of the NFL. Mm-hmm. They are the class of the NFL. So they're leaning into that. And I think they're really just adding to that image. I think these guys they added are not only cerebral players, but extremely athletic. And for me, there's really no negatives to take away from said picks. So I'm going to give the Chiefs a solid A. I I think it's just a solid A. Unless I'm proven wrong and these guys are all busts, which I do not anticipate, I think the Chiefs absolutely hit a home run in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you right there. I'm giving them a solid A. A plus, 
there's no reason for us to have an A plus draft because that would mean we have we have a major need that we took care of or that we t- we tr- we traded up to go take care of. Uh, we didn't. We're not in need of a, a a major position. You know, we don't have. We're not missing our quarterback. We're not missing. You know, uh, a legitimate edge rusher or anything like that. Uh, we have our left tackle taken care. Of. We have all these positions. The majority of our positions taken care of. So we needed to go into the draft and do and pick the guys that we f- we feel we needed to to fill uh, depth for the most part. Outside of that linebacker and the the luxury of having a stud running back now, which is going to be great. Again. Um, yeah, solid A makes so much sense because we just went in there and we took care of business. We went in there and just casually took care of, of business. We got the guys that we felt needed for for the depth that we already have and then carrying that over from the, obviously the championship hangover that we're going to have and just you know keeping the continuity together and moving into this next season. Excited to carry on that same energy. So. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I this is going to be the last segment we agree on. So yeah. I, I, think I, I think that I'm just going to go ahead and set that tone there because I'm ready to throw down about some MJ. There's going to be some pushback, and I'm glad Sir. there's there's a segue. No one pushes back against you. I don't you know what you're talking about. Two. That's a perfect segue. That is a perfect, and it's so perfect that we're standing across from each other right now. Yeah, so we can go fight. Like um, we got to find some sharp objects here. Yeah. I got I got a beer opener. I guess that'll work. Like, Trevor's got a couple those, helmets. Like, cocktail pour things that looks like spiky. I can throw a lot. I don't know. I just have a lot of hair products over here. So it's like. <laughs> I get attack you with some Olaplex. That'd be good. But uh, no, I, tips. I agree with it. it. It's it's so hard to like fault the Chiefs. I can't get over the fact they won the Super Bowl. So like whatever they do with this season, yeah. I'm going to be really excited. But I have a feeling that they're going to be running it back. So I'm not worried. Hashtag run it back, motherfucker. Hey. Yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Our lady got just told you what's happening, guys. It was a foreshadow, a quick foreshadow, by the way. It's going to pay off very quickly. We have more Last Dance content it was amazing three and four episodes three and four were released last sunday and motherfuckers we got some talking to do i'm ready to talk you guys ready i hope you guys are we'll be back for that after this casey hemp company your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the KCPN studios with my guy Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And our lady Gat. <laughs> Trademark motherfucker. <laughs> so we uh we, we left off talking a little Chiefs and we're about to talk a little last dance, uh episodes three and four. But Gat, let's uh let's go ahead and give a little shout out to one of our KCPN contributors. Our guy, Mad Marlin. What's going on with Mad Marlin this week? We got episode two of Run Your Mouth podcast coming up. And just how dedicated Marlin is, he did the entire episode on different segments on his iPhone. So if you guys aren't creating right now, you're just not trying. No excuses, bitches. Because like, I will edit together any sort of footage that people have that they want to share. It's like, I don't do anything else but this stuff. So it's like, I'm all about it. And Marlon just killed it. I mean, he had white people news. That was awesome. Yeah. And then like just reviews of just topics that you and I can't talk about. Like with, with the same zest. Like it's just like, he just covers everything and he's so funny. It's so organic. And, uh, he doesn't try too hard. Like most YouTube people do. Yeah. They're like over the top or they just try to be an asshole. Yeah. all the time he's just himself and you gotta appreciate that this day and age yeah he's on uh he's on instagram I believe it's run your mouth kc yep 
Uh, follow him on Instagram. Uh, I don't know if he has his Twitter yet or not, but it's just Mad yeah, Marlin. Yeah, Mad Marlin. And on there on Facebook, obviously, you get him up on Run Your Mouth and uh, as Mad Marlin as well. He's also, guys, he's also a, a, a hip-hop a musician, a recording artist. He's mm-hmm. been doing He's been in the game for a long time in Kansas mm-hmm. City. Uh, dare we say he's actually a legend in Kansas City. He's ex- and he's extremely active in our community. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of guy you want to rally around. If, if you're a fan of hip-hop music, you want to talk politics, religion, you want to talk about anything that's real. Why people? Like we talk, sp- we, we talk sports. <laughs> We talk sports here, which is a distraction. What? Marlon talks about some real shit. So if you want to, if you want to rally around a, somebody in your local community in Kansas City who's well ingrained from Kansas City, from the dot, our hometown, by the way, sir, definitely follow our guy. Run your mouth, KC. Subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel as well. My dude, like 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 uh, Gat was just breaking down. He is dedicated to his craft as well. So you're not just supporting a local artist. You're reporting. Uh, you're you're supporting a local artist who's dedicated to giving you quality content. So definitely follow our guy as well. And everybody on the KCPN uh, uh, subscription as well. On They've been on, killing on it. Yeah, yeah, everybody's been doing great, seriously. So we're very proud to be a part of this for sure. It's day nine, I think. So no big deal. <laughs> killing it. So we're going we're gonna to transition here because this is actually something that I, I decided a couple weeks ago. I told Trevor and Eddie and Gat that this is – I really want to touch on this, not just because sports are at a standstill, but because this is a, a docu-series that I've been really looking forward to and quite frankly had no idea was even coming until the beginning of this year mm-hmm. uh, when, when the word came out. And the first two episodes, I feel like we had some really strong opinions on, especially myself. I will definitely speak on, on that behalf. But these last two episodes – the first two episodes didn't even pale in comparison. The second week in a row, MJ himself admitted that it was a teammate of his that pushed the team in the right direction, and he was 100% right. He also talked about the bad boys, and it got me thinking about the narrative that kept MJ and the other greats of his own era from winning championships. Like Isaiah Thomas? Like like Larry Bird? Yeah, that's weird. Like like Magic Johnson? Nobody ate in MJ's era. I I I forgot that those guys didn't win championships during MJ's reign. Yeah. When he wasn't already dropping thirty five points a game in the entire nineteen eighties era. Yeah. Those guys were still winning championships. Correct me if I'm wrong, Trevor. Yeah, no. Larry Bird called uh, MJ Jesus in, in in tennis shoes and then went on to win a championship. So yeah. I'm just pointing out the facts here. That was one of the first things when this when episode three started to air. He was already the best within, player. Yeah. Within 25 minutes of the night, and, and again, this is a two-hour special every week. It's a five-week thing. I noticed that MJ was – he's not – okay, let's be real for a second, and we're going to talk about this in a second. MJ hasn't exactly been vulnerable in this docuseries so far. He's not really been showing any of his weaknesses, mm. but he accidentally – continued on the path of the narrative of Scottie Pippen's overall value to this team because Scottie, in those six finals runs, led the team in every single stat except rebounding in points. We're talking assists, steals, and blocks. Scottie was second in points and second in rebounds as well. So in the stats he didn't lead in, he was second in. So Scotty was the one that really brought it all together. And as I told you guys last week, the 96 Bulls, which a lot of people think are the greatest team of all time, lost 10 total games. They went 72-10. and 10. In the first two months of the 97 season, the Bulls already lost 12 games. And they brought almost everybody back. Only difference was, Scottie Pippen didn't play those first two months. That was literally the only difference. And as our guy Nick Wright, who I love and respect dearly, is one of my the biggest inspirations of my entire life, as he brought up, he said that... You know, we talk about the soft narrative, you know, with, with this generation about how guys need time off and, you know, they're not buddies anymore. What we've already seen in this docu-series in just four episodes is what? 
that Michael Jordan, during the finals, or during the Eastern Conference finals, no, no, it was against the, in the finals against the Suns, yeah. was playing uh, golf with Danny Ainge during the finals. Could you imagine LeBron and Steph Curry doing that? That's just one thing I'm going to throw out there just for a second. I know that I know you guys love hearing that one. Also, what people lie about is the fact that guys didn't need breaks back then, that they just played through everything. Dennis Rodman literally asked for a vacation in the middle of the season. Understandably. And, it, it, he and that's fine. Load management, yeah. I'm not I'm not mad at Rodman at all. He needed to go hang out with get some Carmen Electra. Uh, I'm hey, I don't blame him. Because if you saw her in that Lordy, Ooh, let's just be real good. for a second. Mm -hmm. So I don't blame Rodman. The point is, is that some of these narratives were just simply created to discredit the now generation, to make the former generations seem that much more tougher. Mm -hmm. And if you knew anything about how the Bulls were whining through those Pistons series, is about we're getting roughed up. If you could, you imagine if not even throw LeBron out of it for a second. Imagine anybody in today's era during a playoff series going, they're just too fucking rough. Yeah. Could you imagine the kind of slander that would be going on? That's the double standard. And that was something, like I said, I noticed immediately. Uh, also, Rodman was extremely mis misunderstood as a person and player and was simply the victim of playing in the wrong era. I tweeted this out as soon as the Rodman part portion of this docuseries started to really take shape, which I kind of feel like they watered it down a little bit because his 30 for 30 was awesome, in my opinion. Yeah, and wow. they went further into detail, but not enough. I really was hoping they'd yeah, give more. great. I, I don't I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Rodman to me is I truly believe he's a he's a misunderstood soul. I I truly believe that a lot of people didn't really understand or know how to wrap their arms around him back in the 80s and 90s. Mm. Because of the fact that back then everything was so buttoned up. You liked your clean-shaven, you know, short-haired businessman type of model. Whereas Rodman was the complete opposite of that and in today's world he would be far more acceptable and, quite frankly, wouldn't make the news like he does. He would just be considered Russell Westbrook because mm. you see the way Russell Westbrook dresses before and after games. Cam Newton, guys like that, where it's it's a lot more acceptable. And it's KG lot, at one time. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting questioned about your sexuality. You're not mm. getting questioned about your sanity. You're just accepted for who you are in today's world a lot more. I'm not saying completely, but a lot more in today's You're world. Perfect for today. What do you thought? What did you think about that after watching a little bit more of the docu series when it came to Rodman? I think uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to touch on with that, with those points that you've made. But I do think it. The, do it. The biggest thing that we have to touch on is that the reason that Michael Jordan is one of the most coveted and sought after stories to tell is because he refuses to tell it. It's not because he was the greatest person or the greatest basketball mm. player. It's the image that he created and controlled. Yeah. So he did nothing but control his image for so long and control his narrative. And he's still doing that in this documentary. So like there's plenty of criticism about it. I'm just fascinated that's even happening. So that I think that's why I'm so happy about it. Uh, the, 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 I guess Rodman and his whole vibe was very much like, let me go off derail for a little bit. I'll be back better than ever. Yeah. But he couldn't stop once he started. And so the the fact that Carmen Electra couldn't even didn't even know that it was like not a thing that was allowed past that 48 hours. Um, I love the editing in this because it went from Carmen Electra being like, Yeah, we were just sitting at like naked and bad and then and then Michael Jones, I don't know what I walked in on. It. <laughs> Michael. Like, he was just like, I don't know what that was, but I am not he's like, it was a mess. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, Eddie Ortiz just chimed in, he couldn't make it in today. 
and he had a sad face, but he's watching. Eddie, we love you. Bitch. Uh, bitch. How's, how's Billy? Do you get him a uh, glass Billy of milk yet? saying he really loves the live show, so he's all about the live shows. Thank I think you, a lot of nice people man. are enjoying you, it. Cause like, and, you know, these are things that we could do as if we weren't as dedicated to watching The Last Dance organically first. We could do a live show during that kind of stuff. It'd be funny. I think it would just be us yelling to shut up about the other. <laughs> but... I don't think all the hype about today, like I think why we're all so captivated by this is because we didn't have the access to these guys. I don't think they're trying to build up and make them seem tougher because if you look at the media narratives in the last dance, I think the media was bound and determined to just start shit among everybody and they always play this angle and this narrative and they try to make it seem worse than it is Ooh, trouble brewing and michael jordan's like no the one problem we have jerry krause but the problem that jerry krause was he didn't get enough recognition like total little man syndrome and it's Mm -hmm. just it's exhausting watching them talk about what could have been so i'm glad they switched these rodman narratives and the pippin narrative and like whatever else they're going to come up with but rodman has always been misunderstood but for bill simmons say he just wasn't that interesting can we all disagree that he's not that i'm like what do you define as interesting? Because it's certainly not you, Bill Simmons. Yeah, and what, like, what, what do you? What is interesting to you, Judd Butchler? Like, right? Like, what's interesting to you? Yeah, I just I had a problem with that. Uh, the Bill commentary Simmons. about, I mean, I we can get more into it, but I think MJ's presence in general. I understand what it's like to have a work ethic and a drive that is unmatched. That people get pissed off about. That mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you're still doing this. Like, what are you? Why are you still in the gym? You know, why are we still doing one on one? And the comments that people made throughout the series, but. I'm waiting for Jordan to have that moment where he's actually vulnerable and I just keep waiting, but he's throwing everyone else under the bus. He's got that guy on straight snitching. Yeah. Like he's got like plenty of things where he's just like throwing people. He's making fun of the, GM to his face like oh do we need to raise or lower the hoops like it, the disrespect <laughs> that was funny. I'm sorry was but that insane. was funny <laughs> like it was beautiful and then but we can all agree I don't think Jordan's trying to cover the fact that Pippen was underpaid and yeah. way overworked and that he needed those two months off in the beginning but it's just one of those things that you go back and you are finally getting to realize like the real Michael Jordan and what he was all about and you know the fact that he had the perseverance to keep going even though people told him that he wasn't gonna like rejected your freshman like come on you know like these these guys don't remember the story like younger people don't really remember his upbringing and they don't remember the glory that is space jam and we'll get to that later but um overall you make solid points everything that you guys are saying about like why he isn't just like you know end all be all thing they're all solid points it's all facts it's just the matter of how you choose to interpret his greatness his attitude and i think absolutely there's nobody like him that's going to be seen again. LeBron is very much um, somebody that will talk back to you, that will open up, that will show that emotion, that will cry in front of everybody, and that will break down, and that will leave press conferences with a weird briefcase, you know? So it was a purse. all sorts of things. It was, it was a purse. purse. It was a purse. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He said, bitch, please, before he left. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely an, an eccentric character. Um, but most of the judgments and the misunderstandings about Rodman are all surface level. Yeah, you look at the guy with his piercings and his tattoos and his hair and his all these things that are going on. That it's all surface level. I think these people just immediately. And obviously, journalism, are, journalists are known to judge based on surface level stuff or little sound bites of what he says or him kicking a cameraman or out of frustration or something. You know, whatever. Um, 
my favorite thing that I saw as far as what was insightful to me, as far as just individual insight for Rodman himself, was the connection that he had with Phil Jackson. Yeah. Um, I loved that part of that whole, the whole stuff. The Native American yeah, part man. of that. That was amazing. Yeah. Was, I mean, first of all, how are you not falling more in love with Phil Jackson during this series? I mean, the guy is incredible. This has already elevated his legacy. I, I didn't know that dude, was possible. I can listen to that guy talk. He seems, he's just so knowledgeable and so chill and just like, I swear, he's just, he's basketball to, he's, hippie. He's toked up. 95% of the time. So it's just like, I can listen to this guy talk basketball all day. And, this, yeah. and the way he, and that, that clip of him out there stretching with his players and everything, like that was just so cool to see that. But that connection that he had with Rodman, he kind of took Rodman in and realized that he had so much more in common with Rodman out of all players, the one that's most, you know, talked about and criticized the most um, for being this weird wild boy, the most chill coach ever has like so many connections on so many levels with Robin. And that was so cool to see that bond that they had, that he brought him into the, the office. Meditating. Like I'm so a weirdo cool. that meditates and I yeah. like talk to spirits and all this weird stuff. Yeah. And so to see that Phil freaking Jackson, I knew he was a hippie, but like that. banana yeah. seat, bicycle, driving down said, the street. Out, like, and the picture, the right. picture you, you oh. shared of from the, I love that picture. It just, ah. it's just like, I, I might make that the picture for this episode. Cause I just love that. Picture. It kind of looks like the spoken logo. Yeah. In a way. It, it's really bad. That should be the spoken logo and you should have some respect for mj when Change you do it. that yeah Change you it. don't do it myself I'll be like, look. we're changing the logo live people live yeah. look guys I, I, the imagery of the, of that episode was so beautiful too when it came to the rodman phil phil connection because you, you know not only did phil accept the fact that rodman needed to be out of town because he was going stir crazy yeah. he gave him the 48 hours which yeah. rodman gladly accepted and rodman honored and came back but the, the beautiful thing was they're about to have this practice, Dude. and Rodman comes out in these plaid we were dying, sweatpants bro. or, or uh, jammies, he was basically. Slippers. He was Dude. in slippers and jammies. And, and, <laughs> he is a goat. And I, I love that, that MJ stood up for Rodman, too. You know that Phil, was pissing MJ yeah, off. Well, yeah, because Phil was like, you know, basically get your head in the, in the practice. And MJ had this beautiful quote where he said, you know, Phil, you got him here. You know, don't push him too far. Like, appreciate the fact we got Rodman here. And also, the story of Rodman's talking about how he studied the way the ball would spin. Yeah. How many times each player, the ball would spin out of their hands. And knowing the way it's going to hit the rim. That makes him who he was. Not only was he just this eclectic character... Mm. He was a basketball savant, a basketball genius. He studied this game, and the best, most important part of, of Dennis Rodman, the player, is he adjusted his game according to make him last longer in the league. He didn't try yeah. to be a scorer anymore, even though in college he was like an incredible scorer. Yeah. Well, because no one else was really averaging 15, around. 16, 17 rebounds. A yeah, game. yeah, and like no one could touch him. Stupid. Dude, like, there was there was a seven year stretch in his NFL and his NBA career where he averaged, he led the league in, in reboundings, rebounding all seven years. He's undersized. No one's ever done that. He was under size in that. He's the greatest era. defensive Six player of all nine. time. He was yeah, size, yeah, he was a if you argue with that forward, one, yeah. we will fight. <laughs> yeah. No, no, if I'm you making bring up that James point. Harden, I'm like, I'll kill you. <laughs> no, I, it, that's exactly it. You guys, the 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 stats back it up, and I'm not a stats person whatsoever. I hate numbers, but it's just like you can't argue with that. Well, the, the engine, yeah. the engine that he had too was what was amazing. He just had this engine that would when he came back. From Vegas, that next practice, yeah. when he shows up and they're, they're, uh, Phil was making him run those laps, and Jordan's mm -hmm. like, hey, guys, slow down, slow down. And all of a sudden, you see Rodman. Just, they, they, what do you say? They had to it took him four laps. Four to extra him. laps to catch, to catch up to him. Rodman. And he just come come back from a little stint in Vegas. Well, Get yeah, all that out of God knows system. what. Like, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, I just think he's just one of those guys that's just a Did mutant. you hear about uh, how he took Carmen Electra to the practice facility and they banged all over it? <laughs> yes. I'm like, Carmen Electra, like... How do you not age, first of all? That's rude. I, be I feel so offended. Bad. She's got to be pushing 50. And in all those videos and stuff, she was only drinking like 
Coca-Cola. She wasn't yeah. drinking, drinking. So yeah. it's like, so she was along for the ride and remembers it all. Yeah. Then meanwhile, he's probably like, I don't know what happened. From the looks of her, she only drinks Coca-Cola and blood because yeah. she's yeah. clearly a vampire. Yeah. Has to be. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to add some rants to this part. I'm going to move on from the Rodman part and I'm going to talk about when it came to the toughness. Yeah, I know you addressed that a little bit, Gat, but this, these particular episodes did address that part of it when it came to the Pistons and the way it got, you know, Michael was getting roughed up in those series because they played, I think, three or four straight times in the playoffs. Uh, many have said throughout the years that, you know, LeBron couldn't have survived the tougher league that MJ played in, supposedly, according to a lot of the guys that watched that era. I'm, Trevor and I are very young in that regard, so we didn't really get to see the 80s and early 90s. Uh, a trend I've picked up on is these last first these first few episodes is how much the media would so easily at times effortlessly get under the skin of Michael Jordan when it came to like the Pippen contract mm-hmm. or the Rodman situation or Jerry Krause. Whatever the situation was, I could tell that MJ really did not want to mess with the media. He didn't want to talk about it, and that's within that's totally within his right. Like I said, especially when it came to, to, to Pippen in that very sensitive part of the 97-98 season. There, there was a scene in episode four in which the media asked MJ how it made him feel knowing he's widely viewed as a great player, but a great player that can't lead his team to a championship. I don't know if you guys saw that part in episode four, where they went back before they won that 91 championship. He didn't respond, and his current interview said it ate at him, that it was that, that was a narrative, mm. which is, again, within his right. But the problem was, he was already halfway through his career. Imagine MJ dealing with that type of narrative in today's era with the media being as constant and merciless as it is in today's world. Could you imagine him having to take those type of questions constantly? Like the media back then in today's world, it's night and day. It's like like going to a mid-major school and then going to an NBA game in the finals and trying to compare Imagine all the pictures that would be leaked online with him at like a casino at 3 in the morning or something before Atlantic City. Could you imagine? Like there would be so many things leaked. So the question shouldn't be whether LeBron could have survived the hackers of the 80s and 90s, but rather could have MJ handled the nonstop media circus (laughs) That LeBron has had to endure since he first stepped on an NBA court in 2003. I just want to say something to that, that fact real quick about how the whole physicality part of it with the bad boy Pistons. By, by the way, Bill Embiid is a bitch. Uh, I don't know how you, we we grew to like Rodman in these episodes, but I've completely flip flopped on Lambeer. I mean, never was a Lambeer guy, but no. cannot stand that guy. And I'm glad he's not even in the documentary. For he was white, Joakim Noah. He was. I can't mm-hmm. stand that guy. He was out there just trying to hurt people because he has no talent. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but to that point of uh, that, the whole stigma of MJ putting on, what, 10 pounds of muscle, and that's what helped him overcome the bad boy Pistons. I love that point because it's partially true. Again, it did help. He did gain strength, and he was able to uh, take the blows. But I love that because it also works in the favor of our argument with LeBron being in that and all these talking heads about LeBron not being able to make it in that era because the beatings he would take. Yet MJ put on, what, 10 pounds of muscle that made him, what, 170, <laughs> 180 something? No, he, he went over 200 pounds. Okay, great. Uh, he was six six, maybe two hundred some pounds, but LeBron James, being six foot nine, two hundred between two hundred eighty, two hundred sixty five pounds, wouldn't be able to absorb those blows. Right, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous. Narrative. I just thought I, that was in my mind when I was watching that how MJ overcame them by putting on ten pounds, twelve pounds of muscle. And I'm like, you guys gonna, t-? and that's what overcame the bad boys. It's if amazing. LeBron that, wouldn't be yeah. able to survive those blows. Come Half, on, halfway man. through MJ's career, he wasn't weightlifting. That's crazy to me. Like oh, he was just a. I'm not saying freak. you gotta. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying you he gotta be Zion skinny. Williamson yeah. buff. I'm saying like. 
the fact that he wasn't even weight training a says a lot guard. about like the fact how great he was at basketball to still be able to put up the numbers he was getting hacked the way he was and not even weight well, training. Back, and That's back insane. Then, but back then, that era in the 80s and the 90s, two guards weren't looked at for, you didn't have to have mass. You just needed mm -hmm. to be quick and, and, yeah. and able to get to the, the buck and have a good mid-range jump shot. And that's what now, we had, obviously. I'm throwing, my, I'm throwing my penalty. <laughs> Was that your jump ah, shot? And for my next trick. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to give MJ a ton of credit, though, about something. And, I, and this is something I wrote out immediately as I saw it all start to play out. Uh, Tex Winter is the one that saved the Bulls. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. He's the one. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he The triangle offense is the most genius thing, and it saved the Bulls. Yeah. It gave MJ the legacy he has. If they would have stuck with Dougie Collins, who was an awesome coach, yeah, but if they just stuck with him and just let him rack up all the points, MJ would have had all the stats. By the way, that perm but they would have won no championships. That perm was on fleek, Man, it, it really was. He, the little cross. He, he was dripping, oh, He had the drip, bro. dude. Like He had that curly mullet thing dripping, going on. Man. I don't want to admit that I was like attracted to it. I was like, what is wrong? He, he looked like, like he belonged. He swagged out. Yeah, he he should have totally been one of Ruth's cousins in Ozark. Like He looked like that. Like He looked like he was always sweaty. Like, he sweated more than the, the players. He was on but, that coke diet. But man. MJ deserves a ton of credit for adjusting to what Phil brought to the team when he took over as head coach. Mm. That's the triangle offense, like I said, from Tex Winter. Um, and it, what it basically does, it for, if anybody doesn't know what the triangle offense really is, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. But what it is in its entirety is it, it, it initially forces the ball into the hands of the entire team. Uh, opening up shots and scoring opportunities for all five players on the court. Yep. Uh, you're obviously going to have your premier score, but this offense basically keeps the defense in, top, in top, uh, constant flux, which makes them not as strong as they normally be. Because if they know that the scoring is going to come from one player, they can just adjust to that. But if the ball is constantly moving, you can just trap. it's yeah. going to be tough as hell. And so it takes a real... Real shot at an ego of a great player like Michael Jordan to be able seven years into his career or six years at that time to be able to say, you know what, I've got these scoring titles. I'm I'm scoring at a high level, thirty five plus a game. Okay, I'll I'll adjust and take three points, three four points less a game. You know how many players would have said, "Fuck you." MJ said, okay, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And he was rewarded because of that. MJ des deserves a shit ton of credit for that because. I can't imagine the legacy differences of MJ had he not bought in. Mm. Like, that's what makes guys like Tim Duncan, even Tom Brady, that's what makes those guys great is knowing that they knew they were great individually. Yeah, but they're but if they selfless. Bought, but if they bought into what the coach yeah. is telling them, the rest of the team would fall in line and success would follow. That's why MJ had six rings. That's why Tim Duncan had five. That's why Tom Brady has six. Because those guys fell in line with a genius coach. Gat, what are your thoughts on that? We got some thoughts from the chat line with Eddie Ortiz. LeBron is overrated. Couldn't win a ring without another superstar, LOL. Blocked. So bashing MJ for having Pippen is nonsense. And I said, thank you. <laughs> uh, and Billy Hodge, LeBron left his team and had to join superstars to win a championship. Mm. I think the LeBron Context effect... People happened when he did finally win that NBA championship. I think the momentum, his attitude changed. He wasn't out there trying to prove like everybody wrong and he just kind of became comfortable and, and that kind of made him fill in more and become a leader. Mm -hmm. And I think that once he got that chip off of his shoulder, it was actually a good thing versus MJ who needed a chip on his shoulder. I don't think LeBron needs to play with a chip on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. I think LeBron is just naturally competitive and just doesn't know any other way than to win mm -hmm. and to be the best. Mm -hmm. And so MJ had to play angry um he had to play petty in certain ways and he had to do it his way and i don't think we're going to see another athlete um as 
I don't know, allowed or uh, people. To, he just steamrolled people with his leadership and it was a good thing. But I don't think we're going to see another figure like that as the face of a team because these teams that we have now all have these huge component players and they have more than just one. The mm-hmm. Bulls really truly put a lot on MJ's back and he wasn't even, like you guys said, the best player yeah. on the team. And so it's just like, I think a lot of people, a lot of his legacy is going to be his leadership style and is going to be his work ethic and is going to show how much he internally dealt with mm-hmm. and all the games that he, cause he was trapped in his head and you know, he was a lot of the time there was things that I'm sure that he was just like very, very private about. And so once he finally opens up, which I'm hoping happens, I haven't talked to anybody that's seen the entire thing yet. Um, like in the press or anything like that. So I just, I hope that there's that moment because it'll, I think that will finally, um, make it to where LeBron isn't. There's no reason for LeBron to be in the conversation of this documentary. I and agree, and it drives me insane that we can't just because this is what sports media does: yeah. is they take athletes that have no fucking business being in the conversation, and they make it the conversation. There's no doubt in my mind LeBron could go to any sport of any type and dominate because of his body type maybe not ballet but also probably he could like throw ballerinas in the air i don't know he's an incredibly talented well-rounded athlete and his he would suck at nascar i don't know dude those cars are like for five foot four men you get like like yeah because he's a little six nine driver (laughs) imagine him in the nascar trying to get a nascar then you're saying nascar is a sport so oh fair enough fair enough Fair enough. Yeah, you said ballet is a sport, so we got to say Ballet is more of a sport than NASCAR. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll make it come right. off all the NASCAR fans. No, absolutely. To Billy Hodge's point, when he said that, that LeBron had to leave in order to win, Billy, you are 100% correct. But it was a mental thing, wasn't it? No, this is this is it. I, I, I have a challenge yeah. for Billy. If, Billy, if you're still watching, without yes. Googling, I want you to name me one single superstar player that LeBron had in his first seven seasons in Cleveland. Here's a little hint for you. He didn't have a single one. And you know what he did at 22 years old? He went past the Pistons, who went to four straight in NBA Finals, and beat them with Zadrunas Ilgoskis and Anderson Varejao. At 22 years old. Look, I'm not going to sit here and make this a LeBron night. This is actually about the last dance, but since you brought it up, I'm not, now I'm going to get going. Okay. <laughs> okay. Shit. Seven seasons, and the closest thing he ever had to an all-star on his team was a 36-year-old Shaquille O'Neal. Who hadn't been in his prime in five years. Bad back and bad knees. Give me a break. The dude averaged 12 points per game in 2007 when they went to that finals. Shaq wasn't even starting. That's why LeBron had to leave. He knew his legacy hung in the balance. He gave them seven years. Never demanded a trade. Never made rumors of it. Never spoke on it. Fulfilled every contract. Fulfilled every contract he had, which was two contracts with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Gave them everything he had. Gave them two MVPs and a finals appearance. And could not get over the hump. There is nothing more LeBron could have done. He had to go. The reason why MJ didn't have to go is because the Bulls gave him superstar talent and gave him an all-time great coach. You don't think for a second if Michael Jordan wouldn't have got a Scottie Pippen or a Dennis Rodman or Horace Grant or John Paxson, I'm not saying those guys are superstars, but they contributed to championships, or a Phil Jackson... You don't think Michael Jordan would have left? I understand free agency wasn't as prevalent back then, but a guy like Michael Jordan who was getting those types of... I just talked about this. Who were getting those types of questions. The narrative was being created, even back in the 80s and 90s, about you can't win a championship. You can't lead a team to a championship. At one point, MJ had a 1-9 record in the playoffs, and before he won his first title, the Bulls were 5-15 in the playoffs. They didn't win it. The Bulls did not beat a single dynasty in the entirety of MJ's career. 
Do you realize that? The Pistons were old and broken down the fourth time they played in the playoffs. Finally got over their asses. The Celtics were already done. He had to convince Larry Bird to even play in the Dream Team. His back was so shot. In 19, was that 1992, mm-hmm. Bird was done. Magic was already retiring. He never beat a final, never beat a dynasty in, the, in, in a, a single finals appearance. So let's contextualize this stuff just a little bit here. Whether you believe Michael's the GOAT or LeBron's the GOAT, and like God said, it sucks we even have to bring this stuff up, but because it's being brought up, we have to address it. And there is context to everything. If you actually do the research and see what actually took place, as opposed to what SportsCenter told you on a 15-minute segment, you'll understand these things a lot more clearly. And again, Trevor and I are both Michael Jordan fans. We worshipped him growing up. But we've seen LeBron's entire career, and we're sitting here saying he's the better overall player. He plays basketball at a higher level and has done it longer and greater than Michael did. He's led teams that had no superstars to the finals three different times. Michael did that zero times. Michael didn't even win a single playoff series until Pippen and Phil got to, 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 to Chicago. Yep. You know how many times LeBron has beat, won a playoff series without another superstar player or all-time great coach? 11 times. 11 times. But it was the week east. 11 to 0. So again, I'm not trying to sit here and shit on Michael. This is his docu-series, and I want to give him praise. Because the motherfucker was amazing and was by far the best player of his era. And that includes Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Michael was a better player than those guys. Fierce, man. But if we're going to sit here and draw the comparisons, let's actually draw the comparisons and not play off our biases. That's what I ask. My final thoughts on this, and I'm going to get Trevor and Gat's thoughts on this too, and then we're going to take a break. Everyone is fully aware of the precautionary procedures that have been given to us over the last couple months, like social distancing and stay home if you're sick. One of the more importance of those is keep your hands clean. MJ has taken that last one extremely seriously especially in this docuseries. And Gat's been talking about this all night, and I'm just going to echo the sentiments. Has anyone else noticed just how clean MJ has been through the first four episodes? <laughs> no gambling scandals addressed, no marital issues addressed, no punching teammates in practices or forcing team outs, teammates out of Chicago addressed. The only thing MJ has revealed so far when it comes to his own hu- human error is the fact that he was an absolute snitch. Joking or not, homie put his teammates' dirty laundry on tape. He was sitting there straight up, like his the first go-around with the Bulls when he first got there as a rookie. He's sitting there snitching on the entire team, talking about they were bumping lines in the hotel room, and he had to get out because he didn't want to get raided. Right. Straight snitching. Straight snitching. If well, I was just smart. Well, that's true, but if I was one of his teammates, like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? You know my grandkids are watching this shit? You Whatever. know, <laughs> I'm just they saying. They gotta learn somehow. 36 years ago or not, people in those families are watching. True. Look, I, I get that MJ had the rights to this footage, but I didn't expect him to release a bleached-out version of the actual events. And how fitting is that? Seeing that a man and athlete that got away with everything due to the play in the era where before social, social media is choosing to keep his dirt in the dark, like Gat said. I find it to be rather disappointing, to be honest, and it's dishonest because we all know that he got away with plenty. And again, Gat is 100% correct about the fact that he is a notorious fiend when it comes to keeping everything close to the vest. Like, we d- we still don't know shit about him. We're four episodes in. Mm-hmm. We don't know shit about what Michael Jordan does in his private time. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he bumped the rails or he stayed away or he was womanizing. All we do know is that he was a great player. But I got to be honest, I want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I hope I hope we got, we got what, six more episodes. Yeah. 
Hopefully, we better we get see something. Yes. I'm doubtful, to be honest with you. Yes, because this is probably the last chance we really, last dance, last chance, that we really get that opportunity yeah. to see what Michael really is all about as a person. Let's get your guys' final thoughts on this. Chad, yeah. go ahead. Oh, Trevor, uh, I'm I mean, ready. I, I'm, there's not much for me to say about it. I, I personally don't think we're going to get too much more insight on his personal life just because we – we have our sample size of what we have, and what we know of Michael Jordan is the secrecy of it. Mm-hmm. You know, his private life is what it is. It's private, and being as big as a superstar as he is, and, a, and an absolute icon in life and outside of sports, even too, just being as polarizing guy as he is, he's extremely secretive. And he, I'll give him props; he's great at it. Because if he, if, like you said, like we've discussed numerous times, not even on this podcast, but on numerous discussions about. NBA players, NBA in general, in the social media age, it would be a totally different thing. Like if LeBron makes, uh, or even Damian Lillard, or name your superstar right now that makes a, a documentary about their life or about their their career in the NBA alone. Like social media, Twitter, Facebook, every, everything is so. Everyone already knows everything about players nowadays. You know, we got guys that are rappers, and, and you know they, they want to have a rap career outside of the NBA. Everyone's gonna know about all that stuff. Everyone knows Damian Lillard's a rapper. You know, that's not a secret part of his life. LeBron, you know, opened his school. No, Everyone knows about that already. So MJ, there's so many things that he's done that we have no idea. You know, and I guarantee you he has people paid off to keep their mouth shut about things that, that when they are around him. I, I, no doubt in my mind. I know I'm I'm guessing on that. Speculating, but there's, yeah. yeah. there's no – it is speculation, but you, the guy was involved with so many things that we – heard stories you know side talk stuff about about him but yeah as far as his i don't think as this continues we're going to get too much because he's got a short leash on that stuff and uh it would be awesome yeah it'd be awesome to hear some you know a little bit of dirt on you know on the great mj but you know him dodging and snitching on the guys as if he wasn't a part of any of that stuff going on in those buses and you know the parties give me a break man that's that's how i feel about it i know him being a young adolescent male at the time and you know, quote unquote, uh, you know, player as he was, since from what we've heard, I have no doubt in my mind the guy was partaking in all the fun. Yeah, like who was he even dating? I don't like, remember like any of it's those. It's MJ, and he yeah, was never was in like, a serious relationship. <laughs> right. You know, the guy was all over the place. He had like, to have been. It was just nuts. And like, <coughs> it's like when people said that Tebow was still a virgin. I'm like, mm. imagine <laughs> just imagine having TMZ in that day. Like I just can't. that's nuts. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you you can't go back and look at that documentary and say like it's it's not like telling yeah. enough it's telling a lot about other people yeah but like what we're not getting is just the realness and, and his reaction to those things yeah it's and if we don't get is. like an open conversation or something in this yeah. next series i'm kind of like wait so what did we sign up for like just a big circle jerk for michael yeah. J- jordan like okay that's fine i want to i, I, I want that get, circle I wanna, jerk is already big enough i really want to get more information on like when he retired the first mm-hmm. time what was going on going around baseball, that? What, why? Like, why did he retire? Because that's one mm-hmm. of the biggest conspiracies in NBA history, yeah. if not the biggest. I mean, that was the biggest name in sports in NBA history, retiring in his prime. Like it was just a. I want to know more about that. I don't think you're going to give us I too don't much. Think there's a chance. What if they do? You know, I, I, I would love it. that. I would yeah. love that. That would that's probably the be the, that would probably be the biggest reveal in American history yeah. or American sports Why history. Why not? What else are we doing right now? That's true. I just don't like, like we've been talking, we've been sitting here talking about the circle jerk and how MJ loves himself some MJ this, and the yeah. legacy yeah. he has. And this entire docu-series being released the way it was is because of the, the, the impending doom of his legacy in comparison to LeBron's. Yeah. That's why he's released. Not because he feels like, you know what? It's time for me to come clean. I left because 
my sports gambling debts were way too high, and I actually was getting suspended by the NBA, yep. and they just wanted to cover it up as me retiring because my father died. No way in hell I believed he wanted to go play baseball. Not a, I never believed that. I, Even I, when I was a kid, you, I never believed The, the desire to play baseball might have been one thing because he was actually from a baseball family. Yeah. But, but to yeah. be in the middle of a... Th- they just won game. their third straight championship, as competitive as and he you're is. just going to retire. Yeah, like, no. it, that doesn't make sense, doesn't especially as Gat put it perfectly, he was such a an, an addict for success and to, um, to win. That was his drive. So... You're in the middle of, of becoming the greatest dynasty ever. I, I can't imagine that's something that makes sense in somebody somebody like his mind to yeah. just leave. Mm-mm. It just doesn't make sense, especially when he came back so quickly. It was a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. If he was done and he wanted to play baseball, he, he would have kept doing that or found something else, another venture, to go back into the NBA and, and go right back to what they were doing, which is winning. It just seems way too convenient. I don't want to sit here and theorize on it because I have thoughts on that. Yeah. I have thoughts on the flu slash hangover game as well. But we can talk about that as yeah. this series goes on. The fact is, Gat, you nailed it. Trevor, you guys made some really good points. I think that we're, we are left we are left wanting more. And I hope that's not how we're left when the series is done. Because if it is, this, this series is an utter failure. If you could have a series like this about any sports team or sports figure besides MJ, what would you want to be seeing? Like, if you could have a tell-all behind the scenes of any, like, sort of team. Because, like, I think some of the great teams would be like, I would want to see the behind the scenes with Marty Schottenheimer and see what he was like. And, I mean, we got a feeling of it. But, like, those, like, early years, the Chiefs, when I was, like, super young – just looking back on those teams and like if we could have access to something like that i don't know i'm not sure it'd be because uh, like i think another figure that i would really like have a lot of questions about was bill snyder mm-hmm. because with his legacy um he's the, one of the greatest football coach college football coaches of all time however there's so much blowback when he left k-state about players that um he deemed uh not his favorite, not getting their bull rings, not getting things. And Bill Snyder was supposed to send them to him. Mm. He became a little bit senile. He was getting a little bit more uh, old man yells at cloud closer to the end. And players were not relating with a 70 year old man. So I'd like to see yeah. like kind of behind the scenes of those things because we get one story, but I didn't know if there's anything that stuck out. No, there's, there's two right mm. off the board I that I would, mine, yeah, I, sure. I would love. And the first one's the Patriots. God damn it. I'm yeah. sorry, dude. Yeah, but, right. but, but knowing the cheating scandals and really what happened with the phone being destroyed from Tom Tom Brady to knowing about Jimmy Garoppolo and whether they really wanted to trade Tom Brady or get rid of Tom Brady. There yeah. is so much dirt in that franchise because that would dismantle that legacy. Yeah. If we found out any more, because they burned the tapes on that on the Spygate, mm-hmm. they burned those tapes. So if we found out what they really knew and how much they really knew as a, as a league, yeah, that should be the obvious. That answer. would open up Pandora's box. Yeah. But if I'm going to go in, in a singular form for one particular person, Tiger Woods. No questions asked. Because what happened to him in 2008 with his wife and how his career just literally plummeted from being the the sports figure of all. Like, he was the Michael Jordan of all single sports, of all individual sports. Mm -hmm. No one even paled in comparison. Mm -hmm. If we could figure out, like, and get more in-depth of what has taken place in Tiger Woods' life over the last decade plus and his, his rise, fall, and trying to rise again in his 40s, those are the ones I would love, love to see. Yeah, um, just off the top of my head, if I if I could get like the full uncensored, unbiased behind the scenes of an individual icon, uh, obviously I think two at the top of my list would be like ones of like Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, just because of the, the, the sex. How, well, yeah, him the being sex. well, not only the sex, but the, that lifestyle that he lived in that mm-hmm. time where that wasn't a popular thing, no. or if it was a popular thing, it was very underground. Yeah, and I know the way he died obviously is 
sad and not cool at all. But the, just to see what his lifestyle was like yeah. for him, because supposedly he's you know slept with thousands of women, yeah, living this rock star life and an unrock star uh, early on in the NBA when it wasn't popular to live like that, yeah. a lavish type, you know, uh, open type lifestyle like that. Mm. So that for one, and then obviously more in depth behind the scenes of the life of Muhammad Ali would be another yeah. thing oh, too. Yeah. I know we know a lot about him already, but there's a lot of like, you know, how he got into the, the, the Muslim stuff and how what mm -hmm. transition him dodging the draft and all that, you know, stuff would be really cool. I mean, obviously just having more information about Muhammad Ali never hurts. Yeah. It's one of the most interesting icons in sports history. So would those be, would be two for me for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, when I threw that question out there, I was like, yeah, Murray Sean, I, yeah, yeah. Bobby Knight. Good yeah. God, yeah. that There's man is so terrifying. Many, like, yeah, like the Bill Self stuff too. It'd be really fun to hear about all the like. I want to know. I want to hear from an SEC coach just once confirming the bag man thing. Mm. You know, those guys go down there with bags of money. It's like you just want to know the, the bundles, dirt. Yeah. Yeah. or even like yeah. the life story of Greg Popovich, how he got to where he is now, how he become as great a coach as he is. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he could just be a smart ass the entire time. I you already him, know man. it. Oh God. Him. All right, well, <laughs> we're gonna leave it there. That was a great talk. That was a great segment, guys. Yeah. Awesome job. Seriously, I, we're gonna pat ourselves in the back real yeah. quick, but we're gonna we're gonna actually get back to some Chiefs topics, guys. We're going to talk about an unfortunate situation uh, that took place with one cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, Brashad Breeland. Hey, and we're going to give you our thoughts on that particular subject. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number four. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KCPN studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. That's good. And my lady, Gat. Yo, yo, yo. We've had a fun show. Eddie, I'm sure Eddie's loving that Eddie's right now. Eddie's pissed, I'm what, sure. What, wait, what's the next emoji Eddie's going to use on the on the chat line? That's right? what I'd like to we know. We have a few. By the way, is... Uh, is um, Billy Hodge been able to escape the body bag I put him in? He earlier? said they won a playoff series with Doug Collins. No, they did. That's the point. They yeah. they started off one and nine. The Bulls started off one and nine in MJ's playoff career. I didn't say they didn't win the playoff series. I'm saying that once uh, Scottie Pippen got there, that's when the winning started to happen in the playoffs. Doug Collins was a good coach, and they were accomplished. The point though is, it wasn't until Scottie and Phil got there the that, that they started winning championships. Yeah. That's the point. Is that yeah. playoff series were not a thing for MJ's early career. That just not that MJ wasn't already killing it. Dude was dropping 63 points against the 1986 Celtics. That's yeah. it. That, back then, this that 86 Celtics team was bomb. They That's were. why the triangle worked, because it took all the pressure off MJ. All he had to do was focus on scoring. So what I'm getting is K-State is responsible for two of the greatest athletes of all time. Tom Brady with Michael Bishop <laughs> being injured, so he just got the job. And Tex Winter <laughs> saving the Chicago Bulls. K-State's getting, getting the job done, man. You know? Throwing it out there. Has Dude. KU done that? Nope. And a guy named Tex. How badass is that? His name's Tex. Tex. You just don't fuck with the Tex. You don't fuck with the Tex, no, man. Absolutely not. Don't fuck with the so Tex. So Billy has not oh, made any more bro. comments, but you know we're, we're waiting. All right, Billy. I'm sure you got something in the mailbag we'll talk about. But um, we had an unfortunate situation happen this week. Uh, the news came down just a couple days ago that uh, Brashad Breeland, the cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, was back in his... Uh, 
area, I guess you would say, as far as his hometown, is in York County, South Carolina. Uh, the report is, according to the police, that uh, him and a couple other individuals were at a gas station, and uh, there was marijuana uh, at the scene, and there was open containers of alcohol. Long story short, you guys can read the report. I don't want to bore you with all the details. The point is, Bashad Breland ended up being uh, detained and ultimately arrested. Uh, I believe he's been on bail since. He's been out and been very vocal about the situation. Uh, we were going to have our guy Real Bird Lawyer on tonight, but unfortunately it was just way too short a notice. But we're going to definitely get him on the show. Definitely follow him on Twitter, guys. He is an actual lawyer, and this guy knows his legal shit big time. So if you want to break down on this, he's one of the few guys out there that actually knew what the fuck he was talking about when it came to the Tyreek Hill situation last year. So definitely give Real Bird Lawyer a follow. It's definitely worth your time. But just from us, the dipshit side of things, um, just from an honest side of this, I'm going to get your guys' thoughts on this in just a second, but for me, at first, when I first heard about it, I was pretty disappointed because I thought that Bashad Breeland just got himself in some big trouble, mm-hmm. and at the position that he's at, we really can't afford that, at being the Chiefs, can't afford to lose a cornerback, especially our most experienced veteran cornerback of this depth right now, the depth chart they have right now, so I was a little worried that this might be some, might have some severe repercussions for Bashad Breeland and ultimately the Chiefs. But as it started to trickle down, we started to get we got the official uh, police report yesterday. I, I'm not trying to say that it was that Bashad really didn't do anything wrong technically, because the open yeah. container part's really not okay. That part really fucked me up. The weed side of things, I don't give two shits about. Uh, weed enthusiasm, all the 100 over here. But but for me, I just feel like. The Chiefs know how to handle these situations at this time. They've dealt with some serious shit over the last decade. And I feel like of of all of them, this is the least of those problems. So I don't want to downplay it. Uh, I I still ask the question on the Spoken Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook whether people thought that Brashad Berlin would play for the Chiefs in 2020, because I feel like it's a fair enough question. And, of course, it was predominantly almost 100% everyone said yes. To me, I just don't want this to be something it doesn't need to be. I think it's going to be a slap on the wrist. The problem, though, is that Bashad Breeland had a four-game suspension looming from a previous situation, and the league was already aware of that. The Chiefs were already aware of that, and he was already trying to appeal that. So that's the part that I'm a little hung up on because I do believe that Bashad is going to get suspended. I just don't know what the, the the duration of it is at this point, and it's going to be mere speculation. We really don't know how the league is going to handle this. If he already had a four-game suspension sitting there and then this situation comes about, just the optics alone are going to cause a little bit of a problem for Brashad Breland for the 2020 season. And furthermore, this pretty much guarantees that he's not going to be getting a lot of guaranteed money probably for the rest of his career, and that really sucks at 20 or 28 years old, the peak of your powers. This is when you really want to capitalize and make as much money as you possibly can. Yeah. This only sets that back, and that really sucks for him. And I really hope that all the young athletes out here that see things like this, guys, please be smart. Please be smart. Take an Uber. Don't have open containers. If you're going to smoke weed, man, just be smart about it and keep it to yourself. Do it at home. Do it with your friends at a place where you can't, you're not going to have cops involved. And furthermore, according to the report, Bashad Brilliant let the cops look at his phone. Don't ever do that. Don't ever let the cops look at your phone. I'm not going to sit here and say, fuck the police. That's not what I'm about. All I'm saying is just shut the fuck up and get your lawyer. Don't let the cops in, in, invade into your freedoms like that because they, according to the report, they saw that he had been talking about deals and, and, and pulling weight and moving and distributing. That's where he could really get fucked, and you do not want that. So don't, future reference for all the athletes out there, please listen to Uncle Lance 
and don't do that. Just be quiet, ask for your lawyer, and, and lawyer up, and, and, and just be smarter than what Bashad was doing. I fully anticipate he's going to be a Chief in 2020. I fully anticipate he's going to be playing football for the Chiefs in 2020. But this this just whole thing was just dumb. Gad, what are your thoughts? Uh, I Because I'm a very transparent person, I got a DUI in 2009. I was after double overtime, <laughs> Chiefs-Cowboys. I made it all the way from Arrowhead. Well, this all the is way- over. Yeah, well, in this case... <laughs> And uh, you know, hanging out with a criminal. Over yeah, <laughs> what's up, guys? I did hood rat shit sometimes. I literally Street tweeted cred. all for the last year about me being in court every other Friday. And I knew I, I saw you with John Walsh in America's Most Wanted. What the yeah, fuck? Dude? And I was voted in high school number one most likely to be seen on cops. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, first of all, I'm not trash enough. She tried to stab me. Like, I was like, oh god. I know you guys are gonna make shit up now. It's like great. I'm going to create a spoof Twitter. <laughs> yeah, somebody said it was like a mix between Lorena Bobbitt and like somebody, I can't remember. I was like, what? Uh, I think it was fake Ned, so who cares? Yeah, of course. Um, but no, I, I made the mistake of, I well, one, drinking and driving, but two, um, I crashed into a light pole, drove, continued driving back to my house, and when the cops showed up two hours later, I was drunk and was saying stupid shit and i was telling them every little detail they asked me and so my lawyer the greatest lawyer of all time paul katz um was just like if you just want to shut up i could get out you got you out of all of this and that's the whole thing because the moment that you get pulled over you're like hello officer why did you pull me over today great am i being detained or am i free to go and if they say you're being detained, you need to know why or you just call your lawyer right then there you just roll up your window and don't talk anymore and it's like, I don't know why this isn't a fucking class. Day one, you're in the NFL. You do not have a car if you're drinking at all. Like, put the yeah. freaking breathalyzers in them. I don't care. I know it's an invasion of privacy, but guess what? When you are playing for a team that just won a Super Bowl, all eyes are going to be on you. Of course you want to celebrate. Yeah. I have nothing against people getting high. That'd be ridiculous. But like, I have a problem with people being stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't get online and tweet. Whoever would do that. But once yeah. it goes back to, he didn't know better. Mm. And so whose fault is that? Like you, if, if your parents didn't teach you things like that, college should teach you that. Or somebody should teach you that along the lines. And it goes back to common sense. And some players just don't have it off the field. Yeah. And that's okay. But these things need to be addressed. I don't think it falls on the Chiefs on any level at all. I think it falls directly on him. So... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. the thing that's going to screw him possibly, and I think he will serve a, a, a suspension of some kind. I do think he'll play this year, but I think there will be a suspension uh, he will get tacked on for. Um, the phone stuff about him, you know, pushing weight and, you know, and he's got that gas and all this shit. Um, it's, it's just a bad look, man, because it looks like you had intent to sell. Um, and that's, that's the no-no. That's the thing that's going to be, if you have possession, that's one thing, but intent to sell is what's going to get you. Um, and that's why he was detained. Obviously, they had all the information on that. Um, and the open, the open bottle in the car. I just don't understand anyone who's semi-famous, makes millions of dollars, especially pro athletes, especially pro black athletes. Like you know, let's get real right now. You know, you're a target a lot of times. Especially, I don't know exactly where he was at, what location he was at. But when there's an altercation going on at a gas station, you have a nice car, you know, you look the way you do sometimes, it is what it is. You know, that's this is this is real life stuff. And you I just don't understand why these guys don't have someone chauffeuring them. If I'm making millions of dollars and I want to drink in my car, I'm gonna drink in the back seat. Mm-hmm. No one knows I'm drinking with someone driving me. Right. Why if you're making millions of dollars and you're on a championship NFL team, you don't have the responsibility or the intellect to protect yourself. Right. 
Because this guy, this is a guy that wants to get another contract and make big money, right? Protect yourself as a self-investment. Why are you risking that investment before you've actually made the money that you want? This only hurts him, and it's frustrating that he's on my team. I love the guy. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's going to be in a Chiefs uniform because he played a big part and it was vital to our success last season. And I hope to continue that with him. But this is such a bonehead thing and something that we did not need right now after having a really good draft and ending on a high note of the draft and then having to have our starting, our best cornerback on our team doing some stupid shit like this. Yeah. And, and, it, and it was on the day that Cole quit it, you know, had gotten yeah. released too. It's like, like this it's weird, like, yeah. Yeah, hopefully like he wasn't like celebrating or something. I don't think That's it's weird. too big of a deal. I don't think it's too big of a deal, but it's just fuck it's, Cole it's, Quinn. It's, it's ever, frustrating. Yeah. I mean, whoever fuck Dustin. Fuck Cole Quinn, man. I'm gonna go party. Like the thing is though that we have to remember that some of these guys are coming out of areas yeah. that might just it's just a lifestyle. No doubt. And you don't know and I feel like I don't need to explain that. Yeah, I'm not it's judging like, that. There's plenty no, not but at be all. smart and protect yourself. And that's that's exactly my thing. It. Like you can Do Ed, you, Eddie's but. saying they teach about the fifth amendment in high school. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> it's true though, man. Hey, Eddie goes to college, all right. Chappelle <laughs> show. We just I your like, mom it's coach? everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, you're hundred percent right. You just have to be just mindful. Protect yourself, man. That's all I asked. Do whatever you want to do. I'm like I'm a bigger deal than I am, and I like am not even close to that level. In all seriousness, you you are somebody that I think can talk on this because of like you said your experiences in yeah. this. Yeah. You know what it's like to have to go through something like this, something similar. Mm -hmm. So smarten up, like you said, you've learned from that. Yeah, I was an idiot at the time. I got arrested in my slippers, my Disney starter jacket, and my dad was watching the whole thing. He's like, "You fucking idiot!" <laughs> He's like, "No, I'm gonna let you go to jail. I could have easily told you. Well, let's put yeah. the car in the garage." Don't answer the door, well, I'm whatever. Sure you learn from that shit. And I learned from it, but oh, yeah. he never learned from a DUI situation. Mm -hmm. He just had to like smarten up. And so it's something along the lines that like until you go through it, but mine was it it took ten years to get rid of it. April 14, 2020 is the first day that I've had a license fully in wow. 10 years. And I didn't even know it. So it's like little things like that where it could fall through the cracks or it seems overwhelming. Or you don't know where to fix it or where mm. to start. It takes something like this to jumpstart that process. And the moment that you do, you're just a different person. So right. it's going to be whether or not Veach and Reed and I think the front office agrees that this is a project worth undertaking and yeah. worth seeing through. If there's more that comes out that he's been dealing drugs and yeah. trying to sell stuff. He made a rap just, song too. I don't know what the fuck that was about. It was, he, I mean, really so did Tom Bali, but you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not even go there. I'm going to leave that one alone. But, yeah. I said I wanted to Tomba and, and tech collab and neither oh. one of them responded. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I get it. I just take a hit. Yeah, well, I was like, the, I'll do it. Tom, the, the biggest, the biggest part, of, the biggest takeaway of this, and we'll, we'll take a break and go to the Monday mailbag after this. The, the biggest takeaway from this, in all seriousness, is I'm really glad that this situation didn't um, elevate with the, with the yeah. police and 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 with Bashad because we've all let's just be He's real for a second. We've had we've seen stories where things elevate unnecessarily and someone ends up getting shot and killed. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really glad that this situation didn't do that. From the sounds of it, the cop did his job the right way, identified himself, tried to talk to Brashad. Brashad got excited and freaked out a little bit, I'm sure. And I wasn't there, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys how it went down. I'm mm -hmm. only going off of what the police report states. Right. Um, Brashad was saying that people threw stuff in his car. Like I said, this is all kind of a jumbled mess right now. I don't think it's as big of a deal as we think it is. The biggest point is everyone's safe. No one died from it. And I hope that Bashad uses this as not just a learning tool for his career, but a learning tool for life. Because there's yeah. going to be a life to live after his football career is over. And I don't, I don't want to see him 
uh, cause himself unnecessary harm and punishment. That's all I would say. So I hope he learns from this, and I hope we can get back to talking positive things, man, because there's a lot of positive things to talk about when it comes to the Chiefs, and we want Bashad. We were excited as yeah. hell when Bashad got signed back on that one year, got himself a pay, pay bump. Yeah. I, I'm excited for him. I hope, I hope he can contribute to another Super Bowl victory for the Chiefs. But we're going to leave it there, and we are going to go to the Monday Mailbag after this. Located in the historic Westport District, Modern Man Supply Company is your Kansas City's new home for men's retail. From apparel to pomade and home goods to beard care, they offer a wide range of men's products from independent companies from around the world. Follow them at Modern Man Supply Company on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. Every single week, every single Monday, what we do is we give you guys the platform. We give you guys the opportunity to give us something to discuss, something from you. So that way we can bring you guys into the round table of sorts. So get definitely get on that, guys. Every single Monday we post that. Give us your thoughts. Give us your debates, your discussions, your topics, your questions. Whatever you got, send it our way. Get what is in the Monday mailbag this week? Do I say yo, yo, yo now? Did you or, do whatever you want? Uh, Eddie has no rights right yeah, now. I was like, He's Eddie, chatting. creative control is on me. <laughs> uh, we have the Donnie Couch, of course, yeah. starting out. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's your regional toothpaste enthusiast here. Supplies are down. Morale is low. But I'm still here. My question <laughs> is, what are your thoughts on Bredan Daly saying that he sees Frank Clark in the fifth round pick Mike Dana? My second question is how y'all are feeling about the GOAT punter being released and will he make the Ring of Honor? Okay, so the first part is with the Frank Clark, Mike Dana comparison, I think that's some pretty freaking high praise. Um, I'm not going to touch on that one yet. I don't think that Mike Dana has shown us anything that would even suggest he's even anything close to Frank Clark. Frank Clark is one of the top 10 pass rushers in the NFL. He's earned every amount of dollars he's ever earned and is going to earn. He's a Super Bowl champion and is a large contributor to why the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. I think he had the finishing tackle slash sack in the last three games of the playoffs for the Chiefs. So and I think that's very unfair for Mike Dana uh, to put that on him. That's kind of like when people talk about Joe Burrow being the next. Uh, they've been making comparisons of Joe Montana and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. It's, it's just freaking ridiculous. Yeah. I understand the comparison aspect because I like making comparisons, but I only like making comparisons when they're adequate, when they're relevant. And these are not relevant comparisons right now at all. In fact, I don't even think that Frank Clark and Mike Dana are the same type of player, to be honest with you. So um, that that's just my opinion on that. As far as the second part of it with Colquitt, he is absolutely 100% making the Ring of Honor. There is no question. It's just a matter of when, not if. This guy has meant so much to not only this franchise, as I said in the opening monologue, but he has meant so much to this community. And if we know anything about the Chiefs and Clark Hunt and the Hunt family in particular, they love people like that. So Dustin Colquitt is an embodiment of the Chiefs. He is an, There's a reason why this dude's been here for a decade and a half. It isn't just because he's an incredible punter. It's because he's an awesome dude. Yeah. So he's 100% making the ring of honor. Gat, Trevor, what are your guys' thoughts? Uh, the first question, it's not even been a week, dude. Chill. Yeah. Uh, second, um, yeah, absolutely. Dustin Colquitt's one of the best. Uh, his kid called me mom once, and I said I could be. And it was very inappropriate. <laughs> Dustin. But Dustin still follows me on Twitter, so I freaking love you, man. And I'm sorry Daddy I did that Dustin, at one time. Good. Like, hey, I could be. And his wife was like right there, and she's Jesus Christ, Gat. And I'm like, 
Sorry, it's just who I am. Uh, Did you do the hair fling? Oh, absolutely. But it was purple then, so I was a monster. I couldn't help myself. Um, I, he's one of the greatest, and and he he is a golden boy picture of what the Chiefs organization loves yeah. and stands for. So we'll see him again soon. But it was definitely sad the way they did it. But Veach is a fucking cold blooded assassin right now. You can't you Based can't touch him. Bitch. He really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As far as the the first question, uh, draft pick analysis and comparisons it's all speculative right now outside of maybe some first round high-end draft picks but with the whole barry sanders and clyde mm-hmm. being compared that's cool uh, you'd never really want to look into those kind of things just kind of let him prove it first um so that's where i'm at on that frank clark is obviously a good comparison it's it's nice yeah. to have that comparison but please show it on the field first at the pro level um but as far as dustin man yeah he, without I doubt the guy is going on the the, the Ring of Honor, um, and and if anyone has a resume as a punter to make the Hall of Fame, yeah, why would I mean Dustin's right up there with anybody? He's one of the greatest of all time at pinning it between the ten and the twenty, or even within the ten and the five. He's one of the greatest ever at doing it. Yep. Um, so I mean, I think he's got a shot at the Hall of Fame, not just the Ring of Honor and the Chiefs, um, but as like I said, as far as punters go, I mean, no, there's been very I don't I can't name that many more punters that have been have, have had a better career and then ending it on a, a note with a ring on top of it all. You know, there's been a lot of great punters that have been on good teams and never won a ring. This guy ends it on a ring. I mean, what better way to go out? And I and as we as I predicted a few episodes ago when we had that conversation about which player on the Chiefs do we see becoming like a, a an analyst or a broadcast guy calling games or even just being, you know, a face on TV or a talking head on the radio. I said Dustin Colquitt because I feel like he's well-spoken and he's going to have so many stories because he's been in so many different type of locker rooms on the Chiefs organization with so many different types and forms of leadership. Um, I'm excited to see what he does. If, it, if he doesn't make another team, I'm excited to see what he does, you know, with this post-NFL career. So. The, the problem with Dustin being you know, um, a, a post-game anal- analyst or, or a personality of TV, you know, the TV aspect is, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's edgy enough. Maybe he is. I don't, I don't know, you know that side I of mean, him. I know he's an extremely religious guy, so I don't know if that's going to play into it. Maybe he might be a Kurt Warner sense. type. I mean, yeah. He might be like a Kurt Warner type and, and, and just kind of breeze by with his articulate I ways. I think he's funny. I think he's a funny Maybe guy. Maybe he is. I, I don't he's know funny, Dustin personally. Yeah. I mean, I you, think, I think uh, that's Lawrence, your husband, apparently. Lawrence, so. no. He's way too wholesome. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lawrence you would ruin Tynes, him. Uh, it, well, you guys know who Lawrence Tynes yes. is. He um, was tweeting about Dustin one day, and I was like, that's my best friend. Back off. He's like, well, that's funny. I just saw him at soccer practice. So I didn't even know that Orange Signs lived here in yeah. Kansas City. So when I found that out, it's just like, it's funny, though, because that is an elite fraternity. Those those special teams guys yep. are just, they're such dime a dozen. Or they could be like Seabass and just be completely off the rails <laughs> and be a complete nut job. You never know what's going to happen. But right. I think we're really lucky to have uh, Butker and... You know we're gonna we're gonna stay strong on special teams and um the the punters are uh the the back the I guess the new options are just kind of like they're young kids but mm-hmm. whatever I mean like I'm not gonna Fresh break legs. down a yeah. punter you they're know making 550k right so, right yeah. like so we're sense. good um and then we've got Billy Hodge of course but I think we kind of already answered this one with the do the Chiefs have all the parts uh, to repeat if not what do they need um I think the draft kind of like. What they need is football. That's what they need. Like <laughs> we didn't even we need, need football. Yeah, we Absolutely. didn't even need heading into the draft. We didn't yeah. have any real needs outside of mm-hmm. linebacker depth in my mind, and maybe another DB. And some. I mean, we we yeah, the draft definitely took care of all of our needs. Yeah. So to answer your question, Billy, yeah, the Chiefs didn't have any needs. They just basically overlapped their talent. We had That's once. what they did. 
So, yeah. So what else we got? Um, We're going to stay on the Chiefs and we'll jump over to uh, Shaggy Shane's question about the last dance. But one more question for you guys from Donnie Couch. Which side of Twitter is funnier to watch freak out over Brett Veach's moves? Salary cap Twitter or analytics Twitter? Not saying that Brett is perfect, but I think it's funny that we have so many GMs without a job in the NFL. (laughs) Well said. said, Oh, NFL on Twitter. So that's 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 well said. That's a good question, too. Man, it, they both are equally entertaining to me. But if I'm gonna choose one, it's probably the analytics side. Mm-hmm. I think I think just just from the way that people, the well actuallys of Twitter is is, is what I enjoy the most. Is yes. just the, the people who have never worked in a front office and things of that nature. Like we all sit here and we analyze things and we and we sit here and give our thoughts and critiques on things. But at the end of the day, we all can acknowledge that we don't have the knowledge that these guys have. Right. And there's a reason why they're in the position they're in. So I think it is funny when you see guys clamoring over things that they consider fact that are not in any way, shape or form fact. They're just their own opinions and they base their opinions as fact. And that's just, that is interesting. That is fun to watch. And I've been guilty of doing it myself and I've done it very recently too. So uh, because of the fact I joined into that group, I'm going to go ahead and go with that one. Yeah. I don't, I'm not on Twitter enough to have a solid answer, yeah, no but shit. I, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to say anyone who is second guessing or questioning the moves of, of the GM that just won a Super Bowl is a little bit of a silly look. Uh, that's where that's what Twitter is great for. I know we got a bunch of talking heads on Twitter that think they know everything. Everyone's a genius on there. I know I'm. I live with one currently. Um, He's so, so blessed. He's so. Blessed. And we can do a thirty for thirty for that yeah. one day. Does he practice these oh, monologues got, in the mirror footage. in his room by himself? Like I got footage, guys. You know, like I just want like a, I want a behind the scenes yeah. of like Twidwell reality show, and I'm just like, what the the last the, the, the last lands the last lands. I think we talked about happening, Clay. If you're the last chronicles. What if we told you? What if we no, told but yeah, that short motherfucker. <laughs> This curly bearded fuck. <laughs> this curly bearded fuck. Uh, I dig it. Like, I, you just, I'm here for any sort of behind the I'm scenes. I'm working on the script now. That's yeah. the lowest rated 30 for 30 ever. That's amazing, guys. I earned it. Hey, at least you got there. Exactly. You know? Oh, shit, oh, man. Not many people might watch it, but damn it, you got there. That's all that matters. That's good stuff, man. Uh, we do have, speaking of that 30 for 30 shit, we got Shaggy Shane with, uh, at the time of Doug Collins' termination with the Bulls, did Phil Jackson have the resume? In your opinion, would the Bulls still have had their dynasty if Doug Collins stayed with the Bulls absolutely not on both Phil uh Phil Jackson did not have the <laughs> resume yet he was over in uh, Puerto Rico for a little bit he he did have a, an accomplished a career as a, as a basketball player I think he won two championships as a basketball player mm-hmm. um believe for the Knicks if I'm not mistaken so he had he had cachet as far as as in the NBA circles the inner circles people knew who he was but no not as a coach he was still a a unknown at the coaching ranks uh, so it was a risky move, especially with the yeah. fact that Dougie was winning. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to sit here and pretend like Doug Collins wasn't a good coach, and he ended up being a coach outside of the, the Chicago area afterward, and he's still a part of the analytics crew when it comes to NBA on TNT, not NBA on TNT, but I believe it's ESPN. He's had a long career still in the NBA. Doug Collins is a valuable yeah. commodity, and he deserves a lot of praise. But no, I, I don't believe that they would have continued to win championships because like we talked about with Tex Winter uh, and, and Phil Jackson implementing the triangle offense and, and MJ buying into it and, and adding those star players that bought into it as well as what changed the trajectory for that for that franchise. And quite frankly, also, the other part of it is was the timing. 
the fact that, that that all the dynasties of the NBA died away just in time for the Bulls to really take the league by a storm to where they didn't have any equals. There were no equals in the NBA to the Bulls at that time. They were running shit. Yeah. There was nobody that came close. They only faced one team in the finals twice, and it was the Jazz, and you can't name me their starting five. So that's the point, is that it, it just it was a perfect storm, and unfortunately Doug Collins had to be the fall guy for it to actually take place. Yeah, Doug Collins was a good coach, but he was doing nothing that was different. He was re- he was running a typical uh, offense that was that was typical in that of that time. You know, with the Lakers, they had Magic run ISO. With the Bulls, they had MJ run ISO. Everything went through MJ. Phil, yeah. the, I think they saw the philos- the philosophical side of basketball oh, with Phil. Nice, nice. Look at that. We share DNA. We share DNA. I think uh. I think that's what. And kudos to the front office of the Bulls, man. They 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 identified something new, something fresh, something different. And they combined that with the great, the most talented roster in the NBA, you know. So it was a win-win for Phil and, and MJ and all those guys uh, as a group. But yeah, uh, Phil was selected just because of the, like I said, it's something different. I think his his way about him is what attracted uh, the front office. So it was this was a beautiful combination. So he was not a proven winner as far as a coach. Really, he didn't win. He had his resume was not there yet. But it, like I said, kudos to that front office for identifying him, bringing something different to the game of basketball. And they were early to it, and they won because of it. I love that we got a basketball question for my guy Shaggy Shane. Yeah, right. Like that's how good this documentary yeah, is. Yeah, I think that I it love really it. is. Thank you, Shaggy. Yeah. I really I know because Shaggy always reminds me he hasn't watched basketball in a long time. I think it's since the Kansas City Kings left. He does remind me of that. But I love the fact that that my guy Shaggy's paying attention to this documentary. I'm telling you, yeah, it's Shaggy, it's like a good Netflix series, man. Once you start watching basketball, you get hooked. I challenge you, man. Get back into it. We'll not, have fun talking about it. Yeah, not not quite the same like these days versus like the old days. But I just think that like the old days, everyone's hung up on nostalgia, mm-hmm. and and there's it's a just, stigma to the '90s. It mm-hmm. really is. Yeah. And uh, I was like two in 1990, so yeah. I'm not as old as everyone thinks I am. Since you guys are children, <laughs> no, it's fine. No, but uh, it's it's just something that you have to like really kind of get out of because mm-hmm. if you get trapped in like, well, if this, it's not going to be recreated. So just get over it. Like you right. can only enjoy and watch the past. There's no need to compare it to the current day. Right. Right. I agree. So I, that's it. We, that's we got, the questions. Yep, we got right. four questions today. I love it. Um, I have a question for you guys. Uh, why do you hate Space Jam so much? Okay, this is actually a great question. <laughs> this is a great question. Okay, it's when the only I, question I have. When I grew up, when we grew up, we saw it in theaters. We bought the video game and we bought the VHS tape, and we loved that movie. We loved the vi- actually the video game's still pretty fun. Yeah. Um, the movie sucks. It, it's horrible. I watched it with my niece and nephew, Trevor's kids, uh, what was it, three weeks ago. I, I was like, guys, you want you got to watch this movie. And Scarlett was all excited, and we were like, we're gonna, I'm gonna watch, show you guys a movie that I watched when I was your age. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, holy shit, this is horrible. The acting's terrible. The script doesn't make sense. Bill Murray was the best part of the movie. Bill Murray was by far he the really best part. Was, though. But but MJ getting sucked into the tennis or the uh, golf hole was hilarious. That was oh. awesome because like the funniest part about it wasn't that he went into the hole. It's that Larry Bird and Bill Murray just kind of like walked off the course. Oh, well, shit. well, I hope that Michael's okay. <laughs> And they just like drive off and they talk about Bill Murray playing in the NBA. Like it felt like the wrong acid trip. You know what I mean? It felt like like fear and loathing. Now you're gonna make me take some drugs and watch Space Jam. <laughs> and I don't think that we need to encourage that. It was like fear and loathing too. Like it I just see it, that. it yeah. was a it was a like a sweat in your pits type of movie where you just felt like you're anxious the entire time. It made no sense. They sexualized Lola Bunny. They did. Which was super weird. An yeah. animal. And so I felt super un- un- uncomfortable watching that with my niece and nephew, and they're like, she's like, man. 
the music's all playing. She's flipping her little ear thing. You like, chose to feel had, that way, she man. Legs. She you legs, chose to make I, her... Maybe I have a problem. I don't maybe know. You have, maybe <laughs> quarantine's getting to you, too. Like, maybe you're getting a And then they intentionally, like, name-dropped all the sponsors of Michael Jordan. Like, Wayne Knight comes in his bedroom. Hey, Mike, let's go and kick up a Big Mac, and we'll put on your Nikes, and we'll... You know, they, they dropped all the names in one, and it was so intentional. It was like they weren't even, like, trying to, like, hide it. It was hilarious. Yeah. The movie is terrible. I remembered it as a kid, and I loved it. I loved it as a kid. I watched it as a, an adult. Holy shit, it does not add up. It does not hold up, I should say. It, all right. It's, it's another nostalgia thing. That's yeah, all it is. Clearly. It has yeah. to be. Clearly. I think it's funny, but maybe I just have a... I love the movie because it's nostalgic for me. But Yeah, yeah of course. But, but it sucks. If you're being like a true movie critic, yeah. It oh, God. Sucks. I, no, I think people who take movies seriously are yeah. terrifying. So, like, I, I can't handle it. Like, yeah. I'm just like, okay, that's... It's That's like the Page good. Master. Page Master was my shit when I was a kid. Right. No, yeah. Chris, I watched Chris Titanic Roy 13 that times. Shit, that was a great movie, dude. That was care. my movie. This needs to be a topic on Life's Okay. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. Get Life's so, no, no, it's okay. No, no, this is good. This is good. This is, yeah. this is content. If, um, Life's think, Okay, listen. I think the, the Michael Jordan golf whole thing, I think Larry Bird and Bill Murray were just tired of his shit. Because <laughs> he's beating his, their ass right, on the court later, and on the... Bye. Yeah. Later, dude. <laughs> that was a good question, though. I like that. Monday Mailbag is concluded. Guys, what time is it? Hold this L! I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le who? The her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. <laughs> man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. This L, it is time to give out some L's. The 60-second traditional L. Is it timing? 60, no, it's 60-second episode, oh, so it's the no. 60-second oh, L. Oh, like, 60 seconds? It's 60 seconds for us. I didn't remember time before, so I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's the 60-second 60, 60 for us, but it's the first for Gat. So we're going to go right to Gat. Gat, who is holding the L for you this week? This idiot on Twitter. No, not my ex-boyfriend. I'm not talking about grandma porn. Calm down. <laughs> At, at, where your soul at? His name is Matt. <laughs> Say that one more time, please. Where your soul at? Where your soul at? <laughs> All right. I uh, I have a question. Where Word. his soul is at? Because he says Alex Smith's wife is better than Kelsey's girl. And I'm yeah. no disrespect to Alex Smith's wife. I don't even want to talk about the conversation. She fought with local legend Gary Lezak. You don't do and that. And I don't I don't like it. That's disrespectful to my line. to my meteorologist. Um and. Uh, Travis Kelsey's girl is the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. And she looks good no matter what she does. And I don't understand this. He got roasted on Twitter and then he started <laughs> he blocking ratioed. everybody. Yeah, oh, ratioed. absolutely ratioed. Yeah. And I feel, I don't feel sorry for him because when you say dumb things, you get responses like that. And uh, I don't understand why we're pitting people that don't have anything to do with each other against yeah. each other. Yeah. What does Alex Smith's wife have to do with Travis Kelsey's girlfriend? Innocent bystanders. 
So strange. Yeah. So that this guy sucks, and uh, he's gonna have to hold, hold this it. L. Trevor, who is holding the L? For, by the way, yeah, that was a really good one. Um, Where you so at? Savage. Where's your brain at? That's where you should ask. Um, who is holding the L for you this week, my man? Um, so the quarantine's obviously got a lot of NBA players bored. Um, so bored that the likes of Aaron Gordon decided, oh, decided yes. to make a. An absolutely god-awful diss track to Dwayne Wade, which is, one, disrespectful, two, petty, three, salty as fuck. Um, I don't – I mean, it's cool. It's fine, I guess, if you want to look really bad. <laughs> if that's your goal. Uh, he's succeeding at it. it, it not only is it terrible, uh, it's just coming at one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. And the fact – I mean, I know the whole situation was shitty, but, dude, it's it's a dunking contest in 2020, bro. Like, right. It, it – We've seen so many of these at the point. I know you're out there doing things that would have been blowing people's minds in the 1980s. But, by the way, was those all those early dunking contests with MJ were, were extremely overrated. But that's another <laughs> shit really on MJ. Were. I'm not trying to shit on MJ. I'm really not. Go watch him again. There's Seriously. like 30 players in the NBA that can dunk from the free throw line today. Anyways, <laughs> um, I'm just going to read one of the verses from his diss track. Uh, this is a diss track made because he lost. How about you rap it so maybe you can be better? Ooh, like, yeah, can, so listen. Uh, here we go, here we go, here we go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. So this is a verse. Used to hoop in your condo so comfortably. Knew one day I'd be good and you'd come for me. Didn't know it would make me this hungry. Looking at your judgment and everyone's wondering. Ride the heat, the windy city. Did you see the damn coat? Saw you in the hallway and you said young and put on a show. Didn't know that was code for you're about to get rolled. So did he have the same ghostwriter as Drake or did he hire somebody else? <laughs> This dude is really like making the most petty ass lyrics towards D Wade because he was one tick away from winning the dunking contest. I mean, D Wade did fuck him over. But, I, I mean, get it. Yeah, I get it, dude. Here. But you're making a diss if track. You're gonna make a diss track about D Wade, and you don't talk about how his wife eats his ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's not a diss track. Or some of the super suspect outfits he wears. It's not a, no yeah, judgment. Yeah, no judgment. But just you, saying, your wife went publicly, and Do then you. and then the whole thing with Dwayne Wade and, and then Gabby Union yeah. going on that weird Instagram live with Aisha Curry mm. and. And stuff where Gabby's like, oh yeah, I encouraged uh, Aisha to be a hoe, and then yeah. Dwayne Wade calls her a thought, and I'm like, sir, you had a kid with another woman while you yeah. were w- okay. Yeah, it's just uh, a weird. Why I don't understand yeah. fighting with Dwayne Wade. Uh, I mean, obviously Aaron Gordon needs some some. <laughs> he needs a hug. He needs a hug. It's been a long night, boys. He needs a hug for one. I don't know. I, I just absolutely I, go. I recommend you guys go watch the video. It's. <laughs> It's like him at his, I'm guessing it's his house or <laughs> yeah. some location where he's like walking around like sipping on some wine and like doing his little thing like awkwardly like making eye t- contact with the camera here and there through windows and shit. It's really <laughs> awkward and re- I was uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yeah, I was like, like, I was literally like watching it like this half the time. It was By really, yourself too. And he already has like a weird face like he's wearing someone else's face. He's like, it's like someone else's skin is stretched over and stitched onto his own. And it's weird. He kind of looks like, he kind of looks like uh, Aaron Judge's bad like uglier brother. Yeah. You know, what I, mean? like, I don't know. He, and he's really, I don't know. It's go look weird. at Aaron Judge and then look at him. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah. It, yeah. He's, yeah. It's like a inbred child of Blake Griffin. Woo! Good call. Blake Griffin Something, and yeah, Aaron Judge, like, yeah, we are being somehow so defied right science. Ah, yeah, I'm roasting wow, this. We are well, roasting this. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. That's why. So, <laughs> good, thing we're, Gordon, good thing we're so handsome. <laughs> yeah. <I> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I have more color than he does. This is the eye candy podcast. It really is. It really is. Brought to you by sex. This podcast new fragrance by Trevor Twiddle. Sex. Uh, we took the Panther out. Aaron Gordon, my buddy, my pal. That, that was a terrible diss track, buddy. I know. It's, I know the quarantine's got us all tripping. But you're gonna have to do me a favor, man. And uh, hold, hold this L, L, my guy. 
I'm going to break my own rule. And I have not done this since we started this show. I, it's always been a rule of mine I stuck with, but I'm breaking it tonight. I'm going to give an NFL season prediction before training camp and preseason. Oh, shit. Don't oh, do this. I'm doing it. Uh-oh. The right. 2020 in the 2020 New England Patriots are 100% going to suck. Why do I believe this? Why am I saying this? Because the roster was already thin and aging as it was leaving the 2019 season. They didn't get any younger outside of their place kicking 3%er that they drafted. This roster sucks. And they've handed the keys to Jared Stidham. Jarrett Stidham. Not even Jared. It's Jarrett. Who has four career pass attempts. Maybe he'll be good. He probably won't be. And even if he is, who the fuck has he thrown the football to? A 34-year-old five-foot Julian Edelman? Mohamed Sanu. A 33-year-old Mohamed Sanu, who's a fourth option at best anymore in his career, who can't get open from his own shadow. Or Nikhil Harry? He's known for not getting a touchdown in in the game against the Chiefs. That's what he's known for is what he didn't do. Like I said, this roster sucks, and they are only going to make the, they are absolutely not going to just miss the playoffs. The 2020 Patriots are absolutely going to suck. That's not it, though. I'm going to say something, and this is another prediction, and the L is coming, I promise. The Patriots are 100% going after Trevor Lawrence in 2021. There is no question about it. Why do I believe this? The Patriots have absolutely punted on the entire offseason for free agency. They lost four more than they gained. And from the draft where they made more trades than any four teams, literally. From the fact that the Patriots will have 15-plus picks in 2021. From the fact that none of the current bad teams outside of maybe Jacksonville will be drafting a quarterback in next year's draft. The Patriots, in my opinion, will keep the trend going. Pun on the 2020 season. Try and get as close to the first overall pick and then trade up for those with seven or eight of those 15 first-round picks or first picks and get their quarterback of the future. I 100% believe both of those are going to happen. They're going after Trevor Lawrence, but the only way they're going to do that is if they suck, and I think Bill Belichick is absolutely trying to do that. He's playing the long game because I think Tom Brady knows that he has to play the short game. Tom Brady has to win right now. That's why he went to a, a roster like the Buccaneers where it was ready-made for him. And he went and got his old buddy Gronkowski out of retirement. This is a one-year to two-year show for the Buccaneers and Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. But Bill Belichick knows that time is actually on his side, so he's playing the long game. But in the meantime, they're going to fucking suck. And I'm letting you guys know right now, the Patriots are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL next year. Mark that shit down. And if I'm wrong, I'll hold deal for the rest of the next season. I don't give two shits. I'm that confident in it. So the 2020 Patriots and their chowder-sucking fans, you guys got to do me a motherfucking favor and hold this hell. Thank you very much. I appreciate you all. <laughs> Episode 62 was an absolute blast. It really sucks that we missed our bald-headed friend, Eddie. But we got the blonde-headed lady, Gat, in the hizzy, doing her thing. She's been producing from behind from the... She's been producing, it doesn't matter where it's at, but she's been producing for us for quite a while now, but now she's actually been a part of the actual show, and I think it actually was incredible, it was a lot of fun, 
Um, and Gat, I, I really do appreciate all your contributions. Course, yeah. It's been an absolute blast since and we Eddie joined. Eddie will be back. It's not like I'm replacing Eddie. Well, Calm we, down. we might have to put two in the chest and one in the back. I'm also news for Eddie when you get back. Okay, <laughs> just come back. It'll be fine. <laughs> no, but it was it was an absolute blast. We really had a ton of fun. And thanks for everybody that's been uh, chiming in on the live stream. We really do appreciate that too, guys. And we'll always be receptive with that. Everybody that contributed to the Monday mailbag. Um, this has been a blast, guys, and it's been absolutely fun. And like I said at the very beginning of the show, I'll say at the very end, join us and some. Subscribe to KCPN, the Kansas City Podcast Network. I'm telling you, we got you guys covered top to bottom from sports to entertainment to lifestyle to pop culture to politics to religion. We got you covered. Subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. We got a shit ton of stuff for you guys. We got great contributors. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. But until episode 63, guys, the spoken is out of this bitch. Later. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to Spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit.